This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 232, recorded Monday, October the 19th, 2015. Wow. Also known... As Federal Election Day in Canada. Yeah, it's the Election Day. So the whole country is heading out to vote today. I've voted, you voted, probably lots of other people voted, I hope. You, you know what the sad thing is? It's probably not even close. It, your statement is probably not even close that the whole country is heading out to vote today. The whole country should head out to vote today, but you're right. Well, if you're 18 years old or older. Probably not even close, although I did hear that in the advance polls... Uh, voter turnout was already way up. Oh, really? Yeah. So there could there could be a lot more people th- than usual voting, and uh, we'll we'll find out later on in the evening. I don't think we'll do live election updates as the podcast goes on because that... well, we should just scrap the podcast altogether and just do uh, live coverage. Why don't we do that? Who, nobody wants to talk about The Walking Dead. They want to hear about Canada's federal election, right? I so, so don't want to do that, Chris. I really, really don't. <laughs> Are you sure? It's important. I am so sure. Isn't? I don't, I, I think it would be just marginally more entertaining talking about it than actually watching it or listening to it, but not enough to, uh, to get me on board in any way, shape, but, or form. But Jason, doesn't the results of the election have... More impact on your life than The Walking Dead does? The results? Yes. CBC Radio will tell me what the results are tomorrow morning. When you roll it a bit. Other bed. than that, I really don't give a shit. Huh. All right. Well, I don't care about I don't want to blow by blow. I don't want to play by play. I don't want to riding by riding. I don't, I really don't care. As long as you went out and voted. Yeah. Well, no, I, I definitely voted. As soon as I got a, 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 out from behind the, the, ballot place. I, uh, I put my ballot in the little box and I walked out and, uh, I turned to my wife and I said, I voted for everybody. (laughs) People looked at me strange. Great. (laughs) You know, you're only supposed to choose one, but Hey, maybe next time. Yeah. Well, I, you know, in reality, I did only choose one by marking an X beside the ones that I didn't want to vote for. (laughs) Great. You're, you've got this down. I see. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, anyways, it's election day. So, uh, Good luck, Canada. Hopefully you make a smart decision in the election, but we'll find out. Well, you'll find out in the morning, and the rest of us yep. will find out later tonight. Um, today's a big day, though. It's also also a big Star Wars trailer is releasing sometime tonight. Which is, That'll stay up for. Which is, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you got priorities, man. That's got an impact on my life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll uh, I don't know what time that's happening, but apparently it's in the middle of a football game. So it seems like Disney is reaching out to the people that are barely aware of Star Wars. If I can uh, generalize about football fans there for well, a second. I'd like to see the Venn diagram of Star Wars fans versus football fans. I'm sure that there is quite a big crossover. There's Well, there's, there's probably some. I don't know if it's as big a crossover as you might expect, but they're putting the trailer between the... Uh, See, I'm a big fan. Between the periods of a football game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the goalies in the football are uh, very important positions. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And when you score a basket, you really get a lot of points. Um, yeah, home run. Anyhow, I'm looking forward to the Star Wars trailer. So it's a big night. So um, 
we're uh, we're going to do our podcast and then move on to find out who's going to be the leader of our country and what the Star Wars movie is going to look like in a couple of months. So um, we are here, of course, to talk about the second episode of season six of The Walking Dead. A couple things before we get started, though, in addition to what we've already been rambling on about. And the first is a correction. Now, we, correction. Don't, we don't do a lot of corrections, mostly because we're so accurate in the information we deliver. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you I assume no. it's something I said. No, it's not. It's it's something I said, but I don't even take the blame either. So it's about the ratings for the for the premiere last week. Oh, we reported, or I should say, I reported fourteen point six million viewers, but the actual number uh, was way higher, and the number was released at fourteen point six. But then a couple of days later, they came out and said, but included including people who. DVR'd it or time shifted it, as they say, the actual number was 19.5 million. Wow. Which is enormous and absolutely astounding that that many people watched it all at the same time. Well, not all at the same time because they, uh, they time shifted it, but you know what I mean? That many people watched it. The thing, the thing that this got me thinking is that now I'm going back and questioning all of the ratings I've ever talked about on this show or we've ever talked about because I don't know if they included the the time-shifted viewers or not. So it makes me a little upset. All right. So the only correct thing to do is to pull all those episodes down and redo them. I'm, we're going to have to start over. We just have to – well, not a whole thing. You would like start the whole thing over like from from the get go and start with the pilot. Well, we got. Well, I I don't know. Any we got to start over if we want to get it. We want to be accurate, right? So. All right. So two. What do you figure? Two episodes a night. We'll get get through that in a few weeks. Yeah, might take longer than that. (laughs) Anyways, nineteen point five million is a pretty good number. Um, and I'm gonna try to in the future try to you know get the final number before I blab it out here on the show or just know that sometimes these numbers come out at different times and I'm sort of working with the information I have at the time so right or just make it up or I can just make it up yeah whatever if you're not going to be accurate just make it up (laughs) just make it up uh okay a couple more things before we get into the episode uh I have a call here I'm going to play from Tracy in California and I figured I'd just throw this in here because she she makes note of kind of a cool callback from last week's episode that no one else really mentioned. So I thought it'd be fun to play it right here. Hi guys, this is Tracy from California Calling. I'm calling to give a little feedback about season six, episode one. Um, I know you guys made a comment about Rick being an ass because of the statement he made to, um, to Lenny about, um, I ask the questions and you answer. But if you notice, um, when Rick says it, he kind of smirks. Um, but it's actually a throwback to episode one, um, season one. So I wanted to give you a little, the recording. Here it is. Gunshot ain't enough. Look, I ask and you answer. It's common courtesy, right? Anyway, that's it. I just wanted to let you guys, um, hear it. Thanks for taking my call. All right. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Tracy. So Rick used the same line that Morgan used way back in the right. pilot episode. Isn't that cool? That is cool. That's a good callback. And thank you for that because uh, I totally missed that. You totally missed that. Absolutely. And Tracy's the only person that uh, I think wrote in about it. So awesome. It it uh, it all lines up. Everything comes full circle, you see. 
You saved the internet. Yeah, well, you saved my life, that's for sure. Um, And then one email here from Danny in Corby, England. And this is just his take on the the direction that the zombies turned on the road when the horn started blaring. Oh, good. And I think he's got an explanation for the right turn versus left turn conundrum. Cool. Or turn gate, as I'm going to call it from now on. <laughs> yeah, because why not? Because why not? So, so try to stay with me here, Jason. Try to follow along. This may be confusing, but I think we can figure it out. Danny writes, just re-watching the first episode of season six, and I'm trying to figure out the left turn, right turn issue. I think the show has got it right. I could be wrong, but the way I see it is Alexandria is basically behind where Rick, Morgan, and Michonne are standing, which was behind the the wall they built. So when Daryl leads the walkers up the road towards them, Alexandria would be in front of them, but possibly off to the left a little bit from the direction that Daryl was leading them. Uh, So when they turn the corner, which is more acute than a 90 degree turn, they are pretty much going back on themselves and Alexandria would now be behind them, but also to the right hand side a little bit. Therefore, the walkers turning to the right would be correct. Actually, if anything, they should be turning back on themselves and going towards the wall uh, that Rick and all were standing behind. So, did, right. did so you, they basically did a U-turn. They did a U-turn, exactly. And if, and if before the U-turn, Alexandria was kind of to their left or to, sort of straight in front to the left a bit, if you do a U-turn, then turning to your right... They're kind of they're kind of doing a U-turn again, where they they go right and then probably bend back down towards the wall, the fake the the new wall a little bit. Right. So at at some point the walkers are going to cross the road they already came down. That's right. Okay. Exactly. So that seemed to make sense to me because the, that was the one thing we didn't really consider that that was more than a ninety degree turn. Right. Um, and. Uh, it, so they weren't just going like perpendicular to where they were going before. They turned around and were going kind of away from Alexandria. And so if they turn right, go through the forest, cross the road they came down before, they'll bend back down towards the town. So the only problem I have with that is why wouldn't the writers and producers make it a little easier to figure out? Or did they just really not care and think that nobody would notice? Well, I mean, they might have figured no one would notice. They did show maps on screen when uh, when they were making this plan. And I think that if you study the map a little closer, it kind of indicates this. Right. So we could have done that, I suppose. But uh, I think it's just, yeah, we were kind of more focused on uh, sort of the turn that they made and not sort of the degree of the turn, maybe. Right. I don't know. But I think Danny's theory makes sense, so we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. I think it's good. Fantastic. Print it. Make it happen. All right. Thank you, Danny, for that. I feel much better about it. All right. Let's get into Season 6, Episode 2. And I got a lot of title reads for this one, Jason. Oh, ask, good. Ask and thou shall receive, apparently. Nice. <laughs> so here we go. J-S-S. J-S-S. JSS or JSS 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 
All right. That is all of them. Thank you, Gemma from Wales, Andy from the seaside town that time forgot, Weston Supermare UK, Chuck from Planet Earth, John from the Internet, Jessica from the Internet, Connie from Connecticut, and Amar, the Alexandrian hornblower from Bedford, England. Wow. (laughs) So I like that title. The town that time forgot. How did he? How did he have the internet? Andy, this from the seaside town that time forgot. Well, I guess they still have the internet. <laughs> well, time forgot, but internet did not. That's right. That's right. I guess. Uh, so, if you want to read the title of next week's episode, uh, which I don't have in front of me, go look it up on Wikipedia or IMDb, and then record it and send it in to us. You can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail dot com. Thank you to everyone for reading the title of this episode, which was JSS. Okay, so let's get into our recap. We open with Enid. We get some Enid backstory, which I was Enid. excited to see. Now I didn't immediately know it was backstory, but it becomes clear pretty quick because She's there sort of keeping watch by a car, and she refers to mom and dad, so she's with her parents. So you have to assume that this was happening uh, at some point when her parents were still alive, although they don't stay alive very long because they're, no. they're arguing in there trying to fix a fuse in the car. She's keeping watch. Some walkers come around the corner in the front, then more from behind, and cut immediately to Enid alone in the car watching zombies eat her dead parents outside. So the, I just, I found it weird that we never actually saw uh, people speaking. So I'm just wondering if it was cheaper to hire extras and then get voice actors or whether it would be cheaper just to, you know, get a couple of actors. Well, no, I think it's probably cheaper to just put some extras in the car. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say that voice actors are cheaper because they certainly don't have an easier job necessarily. Oh, I mean, God, no. They're certainly just as, as talented and so on, but maybe, you know... Maybe maybe it's probably just a different pay structure when you have people that are not really on screen or on screen that don't have any lines yeah. or something like that. I don't know. I just found it weird that they were off screen talking. The other thing is, I think it was, they were trying to make it about Enid, right? Not about the other people. Yeah, that's true. Right? So, so you think it was a style choice, not a... Uh... I think it was more of a storytelling Production choice. choice. Yeah, it's it's like, this is going to be about Enid. We don't need to know her parents because, well, they're only going to survive for one scene, and uh, they're barely even in it anyway. So I think that may have been what it comes down to. But the way they did this whole cold open is they they show Enid sort of approaching a situation, cut to the result of the situation. Because the next thing we see is her walking in the rain, Um she hears some more zombies and then we see her hiding behind a sign and uh-huh. in the dirt beside the sign she writes JSS. Yep. The episode title. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. How does she know? Uh later she comes across a zombie beside a car and she stabs it in the head and steals his hoodie, but we don't see the actual head stab. Right. They cut away really quick. And then she writes JSS in the dirt or the condensation on the car window. So there it is again. Uh, we see her come across a large turtle as she approaches it, cut away to her eating the turtle. That was a fat turtle. It was, uh, really? It, it just it looked very thick. The t- turtle looked very thick. I thought turtles were a little more sleek than that, but that was one uh, That was one fat turtle. Muscular. I prefer to say the turtle was muscular. You know, when I saw that turtle, uh, my first thought was, hmm, that's good eating. Really? 
Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure eating turtles is not that good. Turtle soup, man. It's a delicacy. Maybe cooked. Uh, well, cooked, yes. You see, my <laughs> preference is for cooked meat. Yeah. Just in general. So if I, you know, if I was in the zombie apocalypse and I saw a turtle, I would cook that sucker up. Yeah. It comes I think... in its own bowl, for crying out loud. Oh, aren't you smart. <laughs> yeah. Did you know the turtle shell is actually its rib cage? No. Look that up. It's very interesting. It's evolved its rib cage on the outside. That's so weird, man. Yeah. It serves the same purpose, though. It protects the vital organs. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, she she eats... The, we don't see her kill the turtle, but we see Enid eating it. Blood all over her face and her hands. And then she spells out JSS with the turtle's bones. Yeah. On the ground. So we see her come to the gate of Alexandria. And you can hear people talking and laughing inside. And she gets nearby. And, and at first, she kind of turns away. But then she scratches JSS into the dirt on her hand mm-hmm. and decides to approach the gate. And as she enters, we go to the opening credits. So we got to... She... Yeah? No, I was just going to say that she even was even willing to live with other people to survive. That's right. She really was. She wasn't just going to wander around the whole time. Yeah. Somehow, even if, even if it's the last resort, you have to put up with other people. survive (laughs) right so um it was a pretty abbreviated version of enid's backstory she was with her parents they got killed she wandered around for a while and then somehow found her way to alexandria and decided to come in so i like the cutscenes. i like the fact that they cut away mid-scream they cut away before the violence uh, you know, it was it was about the storytelling. I thought that was the series of vignettes was really, really well done. I really enjoyed this backstory. I think so too. Um, and it's a little bit unusual for The Walking Dead, right? They don't usually shy away from showing us the gore and the violence and so on. But you're right. Here they wanted to make it more about, even though it was brief, they wanted to make it more about her, her traveling and, um, you know, being by herself and having to do some crazy things to just keep keep going, basically. Yeah. So it's good. Is it just me, or is every time I hear uh, or think of Enid, I think of the uh, the Bare Naked Ladies song from their debut album? Do you think of that? No, but I probably will now. Yeah. <laughs> Enid, we never really knew each other anyway. <laughs> there you go. So after the opening credits, we come back to the show, and we have Carol and some of the other Alexandrian women picking out food in the town pantry. Talking about how they, you know, Carol's going to use up some of the stuff that's been there for a while to get rid of it. And uh, as they're chatting, Carol kind of snaps at Shelly. She kind of, <laughs> Shelly, who's a character we, you know, haven't seen too much, but she's been around a little bit. She she snaps at her about smoking in the house. <laughs> yeah. You can't smoke in the house anymore. It's a disgusting habit and it'll kill you, she says. Yeah. My wife uh, turned to me and said, what a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, I'm serious. I had sort of that same feeling, but I mean, what was Carol doing here? She just wanted to be a little unfriendly. I don't know. She was just being snotty for being snotty's sake. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what it was. They were talking about cooking, and she mentioned Ed and how she used to make like casseroles with leftovers, and she was very proud of that. And like, what oh, did yeah. what did Shelley say? I I don't even remember, but she said she wanted a pasta making machine. If someone could find her a pasta oh, making right. machine, they'd be living like they were uh, on the coast of Tuscany or something. Right. And then Carol said, "I'll teach you how to make pasta by hand, but uh, you got to stop smoking, bitch." Right, because we don't want that stench in the in the food. 
I don't know. It was just, it seemed a little uh, snippy. Yeah, it, it did, for sure. She's trying to blend in. She should be less snippy to the... Uh, to the to the other people. Well, I I do feel like it kind of goes against her disguise a little bit, right? She's trying to blend yeah. in. She's trying to be friendly. She's trying to be one of the people, and then she's giving them a hard time. I don't know. But uh, that leftover casserole, my uh, my grandparents used to invite us over for garbage pie. It was like the best thing ever. I've never had it's like since they passed on and stopped making it. Garbage it pie. That's an garbage amazing pie. name. It was, uh, you put whatever you had in there. If you had alphabet soup, you threw it in there. If you had a, you know, can of peas, you threw that in there. You just kind of put it all together. You put a nice uh, crust on top. You throw it into the... Uh, Throw it in the oven for a little while and serve it up. It was friggin' great. So you got your layer of mashed potatoes. No, then, that's shepherd's pie. And then you got your layer of gummy bears. Right. And then you got your layer of chocolate it, chips. You got trifle and... And, and then you got another layer of green cream. beans, maybe a layer of whipped cream. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I make a delicious. mean shepherd's pie. Do you? I'm actually, I'm planning on making some this weekend. I'm thinking of changing the recipe slightly. Can I come over for dinner? Nope. We have uh, family coming over for the weekend. Can you come over to my house and make it for me someday? Yeah, possibly. All right. I want to I want to make that happen, man. All right. Um Carol leaves, she goes back to her house and Sam is there on the porch and Sam's, you know, sad about his dad being killed, I guess, and Carol comes up and is very harsh to him once again and tells him to get over it, basically. She's just a crank today. She's not in a good mood, but no, maybe she's that'll cranky. maybe that'll help her later on. Uh, we see Jesse in her kitchen and she tells Ron to come in for a haircut, but he doesn't really want a haircut. <laughs> He's not f- so friendly to his mom right now. And he realizes that his mom really just wanted to get him in the room so they could talk, but Ron doesn't react very well at all. Um, and they kind of argue about, you know, Rick because Jesse is supporting Rick and Ron is like, that's the guy that killed my dad. How can, how can you be friends with him? Yeah. Your dad was an ass though. Yeah, very much so. But I don't hold it against Ron being a teenager. Well, you know, you being know. a teenager, what teenager wants his haircut? What teenager wants uh, to sit and talk with his mom? What teenager is not pissed off about the guy next door killing your dad? Exactly. I mean, seriously. Exactly. I almost think Jesse should be a little bit more pissed off, to be honest. But but I guess she sees it from the other way around, where uh, Pete was not a nice guy. He, he, uh, was violent with them and, uh, he was, he was a dick. So, I mean, is that enough to someone to deserve to be killed? Eh, that's debatable, but, uh. Some people just need killing. (laughs) I guess so. In this show they do. Yeah. That's a quote from somewhere. I think a movie something. Maybe. I'm sure someone will know it. Um, Ron storms out and he says that Rick is the dangerous one. So he's really not on board with Rick's plan. Uh, we go over to Maggie and Deanna, and they are out by a new section of the wall that's part built, so they're expanding the wall. And, you know, they're talking about building building it more, getting it finished, and planting some vegetables, which is a great idea. And Maggie says that they still have to make the community grow. And, you know, Deanna, you're the leader, and, and you got to make sure people know that you're still here. Right. So those two are working together, as they have been for a long time. Uh, we cut over into um, Eugene and Tara coming into a doctor's office, mm-hmm. and they're having an interesting conversation um, about, you know, building new walls and walling in more buildings, 
that are in the town. And Eugene is saying that there's a church that's going to be walled in, but they should convert it into something more productive, like a lab or a machine shop, or at least a sweet-ass game room. Yes, because that's (laughs) what they need, is a sweet-ass game room. It is. He really doesn't want it to be a church, though. He says it's like one of the bigger indoor spaces we have. We could do all kinds of stuff if we just took out the pews and and opened up that space. Yep. Um, On one hand, I agree with him. But on the other hand, a church is a church, and people need places to go for church-like activities. Yes. Um, and, you know, like they... Bake sales and stuff like that. Bake sales and... Yeah, exactly. Food drives. Uh, um, right. Now, they've been using it... We found out last season they'd been using a, a garage somewhere as a church. So I'm kind of yeah. thinking, why not just keep the garage church and convert the church church into a, a machine shop or a sweet ass game room or a sweet ass game room. That's right. Well, there's gotta be pinball <laughs> machines kicking around all over the place, right? You, you know, you get a truck, you go drive around, you get as many pinball machines as you can. And maybe if you find a Pac-Man or even a Miss Pac-Man and uh, you know, a Galaga, oh my God, a Galaga, then uh, you get yourself a sweet ass game room, a pool table, you put a pool table and a foosball table in there. You're all set. That would be a pretty fun room. The problem is nobody would ever leave to go back and tend to the vegetables that they're growing. <laughs> Bring on the apocalypse. <laughs> and the game room. The apocalypse <laughs> And the Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> um, so they're having this chat, and uh, but they're in this doctor's office, and Dr. Denise Cloyd is there. Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen her around a bunch, but she hasn't had much of a part yet. Not too many lines, but she's been around. Um, but they talk about her being the new doctor because, of course, Pete was a surgeon, but he's dead. And uh, she's kind of nervous about being the only one now, uh, which is, you know, fair enough. She was, what does she say? She was a psychiatrist? Yes, because she had, uh, she got the shakes and uh, was jittery, so she took an interest in psychology. Right. Psychiatry. Right, right, right. But she went through med school, but isn't, you know, a practicing, like, GP or, or uh, anything like that. Right. Uh, anyway, she, she looks at Tara because Tara was dizzy building a new guard tower platform with Eugene, she says. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. We cut over to Carl walking around with Judith in the stroller, and he sees Enid and Ron sitting together. So now the tables are turned here. Before mm-hmm. we had Ron looking at Enid and Carl, and now it's the other way around. Does, is it just me or does... Carl really need a haircut. Well, he should go visit Jesse because he could use a haircut, boy. I mean, it was clean and it looks like it was blow dried and styled and everything, but it it looks like a hair helmet and he needs to have that dealt with. Yeah. And and you don't want long hair in the zombie apocalypse. No. Like you're going to be like Father Gabriel, who he was talking to, just to, you know, shave it right down to the wood. Mm -hmm. Nothing to grab onto. Nothing to grab onto. We learned that in Telltale's Walking Dead video game, too. You know, um, uh, Clementine had her hair cut short by Lee because there's just too much of it. Someone grabs it, they can drag you away or, you know, grab your hair and bite your ear off and you don't want that. His hair bugged me this whole episode, I'm sorry to say. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with his hair. Maybe he'll get a haircut. It is about time, I think. Um, but he sees them sitting together and, you know, makes note of it. Uh, Father Gabe comes up behind him, though. And uh, he tries to apologize more or less. He kind of says, what I said wasn't about you. It was about me. So when I said you're dangerous and you should be stopped, I was really talking about myself. Right. <laughs> it's hard to get, it, it, sometimes you get confused about other people and yourself. 
Yeah, I guess. I guess it's difficult. Uh, but he, he insists that he wants to help now. And I thought it was interesting that uh, Carl says, well, the first thing you have to do is go tell everybody. And I guess he just means go tell them you really want to help and that you're sorry and you apologize. Yep. But then Carl agrees to teach him machete skills. He says, come by around three. We'll start with the machete. Which I thought was awfully big of Carl. You know, a lot of kids would be like, screw you, you betrayed us, so go jump off a, a cliff into a pit full of zombies. Please. Please, yeah. Um, but as Carl's walking away, he sees Enid and Rog, uh, Rog, Ron, Hug. <laughs> That's a good name, I'm writing that down. <laughs> Enid and Rog. It's going to be Rog. the name of my new band. Um, <laughs> they hug as he leaves, and Enid is staring right at him. Like, yeah. This, I don't know what's going on here. Enid is kind of playing the field a little bit. She's she's making time with both of these guys. Oh, it comes out in the end what's going on. Yeah, but I mean... I don't think she's making time. I think she's uh, not in the uh, catcher in the rye kind of way. I think what she's doing is saying goodbye. Yes, she's saying goodbye. But why does she have to stare at Carl like that? Like uh, teenagers are weird. I've been in situations just like this, and it's not fun. But <laughs> just last weekend, it happens. in fact, <laughs> no, when I was a teenager. <laughs> well, yeah, teenagers are weird. That's true. You can't you can't explain half the stuff they do. No. Um. Anyways, uh, we see Carol. She's doing some baking with her her food now. Uh, she puts her tray in the oven, sets a cooking timer, and takes a look out the window. Forty five minutes. Is what she sets that timer for. Oh, good. I'm glad you made a note of that because I did not notice. That That sets up the next, basically the rest of the episode, the time frame here. Yeah. Um, she looks out the window. She There's Shelly out on the grass smoking. So she's not smoking in the house, which is good. Carol should be happy about that. Uh-huh. But out of nowhere, out of nowhere, a dude runs up with a machete, chops her down, and she falls to the ground bleeding. Yeah. Like, I was like, where did that come from? What the hell is <laughs> going on? Yeah, at least like, she had a last smoke. Well, she went out smoking, which I guess, I don't know, if you're a smoker, that might be good for you, but... It ain't bad. <laughs> all right, well... You know, when the smokes don't kill you, it's a plus. Yeah, that's right. You smoke all, all that time, you know, they're not killing you, but a guy with a machete comes out of nowhere. Yeah, so, you know, you got to look at silver linings. I guess so, man. We go to a commercial, and when we come back... Um, the shit has hit the fan pretty much. Uh, Diana and Maggie are digging their garden and the guy on the wall, Richard, they're outside the gate, by the way, outside the wall. I mean, Richard gets hit with a Molotov cocktail and lights on fire and <laughs> falls off. In the face. He got it in the face. <laughs> That's, that is so not where, I mean, not what you want to happen. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So if I have, you're Richard. uh, that's fine. Getting hit in the face with a Molotov cocktail is one thing, but have you ever had a bottle thrown at you? Yes. Did uh, it, it, it didn't hit me, though. It didn't hit you. It was scary, though. Okay. Did uh, bottles, when they get thrown at you, bounce off your head and go and break on the ground? Right. They don't break on your head. So, <laughs> Well, they might break on your head. I don't know. It just it seems like uh, bottles are pretty tough. Like they're, glass bottles are made not to break necessarily from you know general wear and tear and 
bashing on people's heads. You know, you don't break a bottle on someone's head to stab them in the neck 30 times. You break the bottle on the counter of the bar, and then you go and stab somebody in the neck 30 times. Right, of course. That's the way it works. Of course. You don't, so I just, you know, find the, uh, and with the, the softness of people's head in, heads in this world, it would have just bounced right off. It'd be mm. like uh, throwing a, uh, a hard ball at a Nerf baseball bat. It's just, it's not going to work. <laughs> right. Well, this one crashes and lights Richard, poor Richard, on fire. Yes. And he falls off. Uh, but I see your point. I mean, a bottle wouldn't uh, necessarily, probably wouldn't break against your head. But maybe if it's on fire, I don't know, the glass is... The bottle's not on fire. It's just there's a little wick that's I, I sticking know. out of it that's on fire. It's not until it breaks that the whole thing catches on fire. Sure. Well, then it had it's to fine. break. Fine. I'm not going to harp on this. Anymore. Uh, anymore. We so Maggie and Diana Deanna run away, and uh, we see Carl inside. He now has a, a big gun, assault rifle. Yeah, assault rifle. And uh, Carol tells him to stay inside and keep Judith safe. Car- right. Carol's going to go work some magic outside. Give uh, give the baby a gun. Right. Keep her safe. Yeah, she needs a gun. It's about time she starts learning. I think. Yeah, you just get a little one. Right, a little, a little one. Saturday night special kind of thing. Pellets, maybe only. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Um, Jesse, she wants to find Ron in their house, I guess. But her and Sam hear someone downstairs, so they go hide in a closet and uh, lock the door. Now she has a gun. Yep. And what we've figured out here is that the wolves are attacking Alexandria. Hmm. So we have our wolf attack. Uh, and all kinds of stuff happens. Uh, Enid comes into Carl's house and he almost shoots her because, you know, she doesn't make it known, make herself known very well. Dumb. And she says she comes to say goodbye, but uh, he won't let her leave. Right. And what they decide to do is she's going to watch the back door and they have to, uh, she's going to help him protect Judith. And then Eden has a couple of, Eden, Enid has a couple of interesting lines about the wolves. She says, they're just people. And this place is too big to protect. Right. Which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Enid has always sort of felt that Alexandria is living on borrowed time. Probably because of her experience, you know, before she got there with her parents. They couldn't survive. And then she moved in here. And despite the fact that there's walls and this and that, everything falls apart eventually. Well, she's lived outside the walls, which... You know, and she's had to survive out there. Yeah. Even the even the guys that go out and try and recruit people aren't living out there. They're just, they're out uh, scouting. Right. You know, so they're not actually living out there. At any time, they can turn around and come home and have a nice warm bed to sleep in and some electricity and, uh, you know, take a hot bath right. and relax. Right. Whereas uh, Enid's had to survive out there. So she knows that this, you know, this is all just, a joke. This is uh, this is not reality. This is some kind of weird bubble of heaven. It's that just doesn't doesn't exist and is going to pop. It's kind of the illusion of security, right? Yeah, you feel safe in here, but there's there is no safe anymore. That's um, like my dad always said: was uh, locks just keep honest people out. If you somebody wants to get through a lock, they're going to get through the lock. It just keeps the casual people that. Uh, don't care that much about getting through the locks. Which is ironic because the honest people are the ones you don't really have to worry about. Right. It's funny. Um, Well, Carl decides that they're not going to die today, and he says, he asks Enid to not 
tell him goodbye. Like, don't say goodbye because this isn't it. Uh, outside, Alexandrians are getting killed left, right, and center. And Carol witnesses one of them draw a W on his forehead with blood. So we know for sure that these are the wolves. And uh, she sneaks through a bunch of trees and watches one of them slice another Alexandrian lady. Um, uh, and this is one of the women who was in the in the pantry with her at the beginning, I think. Yep. And uh, she's hurt badly, so Carol kind of like lowers her to the ground and puts a knife in the back of her head. Yeah, you are non-viable, you die. Yeah, this reminded me of Rick in the previous episode with uh, Carter a little bit. Yes, but Carter was bit in the face by a zombie. True. She was just slashed by a machete or some kind of weapon. Yeah. Uh, so this was uh, very much, like, it, it did remind me of uh, what Rick did in the previous episode, but this was very much Carol, a Carol thing, right? You are damaged in some way. You must die. Yeah. It's the thing about the Rick scene was there was no saving Carter. No matter what yes. was going to happen, he was done. Um this woman's injury with Carol looked pretty severe, so you could you could easily argue that there was you know really really very little hope that she was going to survive. But the difference is she wasn't bit by a zombie, so she isn't going to have the infection starting. There's there's the potential for her to recover, given the right treatment. Yeah. Uh, whether that she would have had that or not, uh, you know, hard to say considering everything that was going on around them, but. You're right. Carol treats it a little differently. She's like, you know what? I can't stay here and nurse you back to health. I can't even move you. You know, I got to go and do other things. I'm just going to put you out of your misery and and move on. Yeah. And that's kind of her outlook on stuff. Um, Now we see some shots through uh, the scope of Spencer's rifle. He's up in the tower. Spencer, if you don't remember, is Deanna's other son. Mm -hmm. And... He shoots a bit, doesn't really hit anybody at first. Um, we see a blonde, through the scope, we see a blonde woman with short hair get sliced. and he's But he, he's able to shoot her stabber in the head. Uh, so he takes that guy out. And he does that just as Rosita and Aaron show up to help. Mm-hmm. And then he sees a truck. Wait, wait, wait. I don't think it was him that, uh, I thought thought it was Rosita that shot that guy. No, I think it, I thought it was Spencer. Maybe I could be wrong, but I thought it was Spencer. He was able to get one shot off and like he was too late to save her from getting cut, the blonde woman, but he managed to take the guy out. I'm going to watch, rewatch the tape. Go on. I'm just going to. Well, I think it was him because you see the bullet hole through the scope. So if it was Rosita, the bullet hole would have been on the other other side of the guy's head. Yeah. So I don't know. Check, check it out. Um, while you're looking that up, uh, Spencer's up there. He sees a transport truck coming towards the wall, and he manages to take a bunch of shots and shoot the driver, which is which is lucky for him. Yeah, except handy. except that the then truck crashes into the wall and the horn starts blaring. So there's the horn. Here's the horn exactly. Um, the horn, the source of the horn, really is not, you know, like I predicted. In any way. We never figured it would be an attack, an accident, basically. We didn't think it would be a car horn or a truck horn or a train horn or any kind of vehicle. Everyone seemed to be focused on it being some kind of siren, like some kind of emergency horn. I'm still not entirely convinced that this was completely not Father Gabriel's fault. (laughs) I think somehow Father Gabriel is still responsible for this. I think you could probably argue that Morgan is potentially more responsible for this than Father Gabriel. 
Morgan is the guy who let those two wolves live last season because every life is precious or whatever he says. Yeah, some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Father Gabriel, it may come out that somehow <laughs> it's his fault. I, it's I, not his fault, but I figured it was. Yeah, I kind of want to blame him still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? He's, he's redeeming himself a little bit now that uh, he's admitted that... Uh, he wasn't talking about somebody else. He was talking about himself and Still, uh, wants to wants to learn. It's tough, man. Father Gabriel has not behaved very good, very well in this zombie apocalypse. From but, from locking his, his congregation out to telling Deanna that uh, Rick's group is are bad. I mean, this guy, come on. He's got to redeem himself so that he may die. Oh, he has to go out a changed man? He has to go out, you know, killing a priest... If you kill a, a priest who's an, an idiot and an asshole, that's one thing. But killing a priest who's redeemed himself in the eyes of the people around him is uh, more dramatically powerful. So I think he's going to redeem himself over the next course of the few episodes and then die, die, die. Yeah, you're probably right. I I don't know. I hope that doesn't happen because that feels a little cliche. It does. Right? I, I agree with you. And and cliche sometimes is okay, uh, you know, there was some cliche stuff at the end of Fear the Walking Dead there that I thought was all right, but I don't know. I I don't think they need to always follow the formula of make a character seem kind of bad or evil, make you hate them, and then redeem that character just before they get killed. I don't want that to happen all the time, and I'm not yeah. saying it does, but it 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 won't feel right to me if they do that in this case. I'm uh, I'm with you on the hopes and dreams of that, and I don't mind if they if they make that character try to redeem himself and fail. That's totally different. That's not the cliche at all. Like he can try, he can apologize, he can say I want to help. I was talking about myself. All he wants, and you know maybe they don't accept his apology, and then he dies anyways. Or maybe he tries to redeem himself, but screws up so royally that uh, that Rick has to stab him in the head. Right. Maybe Rick has to murder Father Gabe too. We'll find out. We come back from our commercial break, though, and uh, we get some sort of destruction shots of Alexandria. Stuff's broken all over the place. People are running around in a panic, waving their arms in the air, and the horn is still blaring. So yep. the horn is pretty annoying. Um, we see Rosita and Aaron bring Holly. This is Holly the blonde woman who got, who got sliced. Uh, we finally have met Holly. They bring her into Dr. Cloyd's office. Uh, they IV her, and Aaron goes out to help, but Tara and Eugene stay to help in the uh, doctor's office. I think mostly because Eugene is scared to leave. Yes, he thinks that he would be much more helpful right friggin' here. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stand around and make sure you guys try to save her life. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, we, uh, we cut over to Spencer. He's climbed down out of the uh, tower now, which was partly destroyed when the truck crashed into it. And he goes to the truck, but he finds a driver. Sorry, he finds a zombie inside that I guess was the driver of the truck. He turned awfully quick. He did. I noticed that. <laughs> My wife said, uh, how is he driving? Thinking that he was a zombie already <laughs> before he even got there. It's, I, you know what? I, Maybe it's not totally outside the realm of possibility. Maybe they threw a zombie in there, set the truck on a course towards the wall, and there was no living driver in there. They no, put a he, put a brick on was, the pedal. He was a driver that turned real fast. All right. That's the only explanation I can think of. Maybe he was 
already half dead when he was driving that truck in. I don't Maybe. know. Yeah. Uh, he sees the driver, anyways, as a zombie, and he hesitates because he doesn't know what to do, even though he's holding a massive military rifle that he could have just shot the thing in the head with. But he's scared. And suddenly Morgan shows up and kills it. Yeah. And turns off the horn. So All that- by accident. I mean, when he pulled the zombie away from the, uh, the console, he accidentally flipped the switch or came off the button that turned off the horn. No, I thought, I thought Morgan reached in and flicked the switch, didn't he? No, I think it was just the, the zombie being pulled away. Okay, well, either, either way, the horn goes off, which is nice, because it would have been real annoying to have that horn going the rest of the episode. How did Morgan get here so quick? Well, that's a good question, Jason, and I have an answer for you. Okay, you I can thought... answer it now, or do you want to suspend? I can answer uh, it now. Okay, good. So I was wondering the same thing. Why is Morgan there so fast, but nobody else is? Because, you know, spoiler for the rest of this uh, recap, but Rick, Michonne, nobody else, Abraham, Daryl, nobody else shows up. Only Morgan shows up. And it's because in the scene where Carter died, Rick turns to Morgan and says something like, go back to town and tell everybody what's going on. Right, so go let them know. Go let them know. So Morgan is sent back earlier before everybody else. I see. So he gets there just in time to, you know, find all this happening. Okay, good. Um, nice catch. I'm glad it makes sense in continuity. Yeah, me too, because at first I was like, how did he get there but nobody else is around? Because it, it, you know, I had the same question, but I thought about it a bit and remembered that Rick told him to go back. So that's why Morgan's there. Hooray. Great, cool. Um... Anyways, Morgan kills the guy. They shut off the horn by accident, it sounds like. And Morgan says they need to get inside, but Spencer is a bit, is sort of shutting down here. He's afraid. And Morgan says, all right, you just go hide. Go hide. You are not going to be helpful at all. So we see the wolves inside. They're chopping people up, which is weird. For some reason. Yeah, for some reason. why, Why was he chopping that guy up? Well, I'm not sure. They're cutting their limbs off is what it is generally what they were doing. Uh, I this don't know. This guy's been chopping for a while because Carol ran past him and he was chopping at that dude before. Was it like, the same was dude? One, it was the same dude with the axe chopping the same guy up into little pieces. So this guy's been standing in in this road chopping this guy up for a good, uh, you know, about a year and a half probably. Could it be possible that the wolves don't know that it's a it's an injury to the brain that prevents you from coming back from coming back. So they're chopping the limbs off so that these people don't get up as can't get up as zombies and walk around. That, I mean, that would be nuts, wouldn't it? At it this would point? be nuts. But remember, we've seen the wolves do stuff like this before. Remember, there was a, what was it? A car full of torsos. Full of torsos. That's right. So they've been chopping people up for a while, but why? Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we have a definitive answer to that yet. I'm just speculating that maybe these, these guys aren't smart enough to have figured out that you got to kill the brain, take out the brain. Yeah, you, you think they'd even they'd learn that uh, if you chop the head off, you know, the head might still chomp around a little bit, but it's going to be less useful than even if you chop off the arms and legs. You know, a brain attached to a torso is a little more dangerous than a brain not attached attached to nothing. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Maybe they dis- maybe they somehow realized, or if if they don't realize that you have to injure the brain, they're like, well, okay, you kill someone. If we just chop their head off, then they're not much of a threat because a head by itself isn't gonna, you know, isn't gonna really be able to chase you or come after you or or whatever. So, I mean, I don't know. That's all I could think of. That somehow, even after the 
all these months or years that it's been, that zombie apocalypse has been underway, they haven't figured out that it's the brain and they're chopping arms and legs off so that just so that the zombies basically can't be mobile and come after you. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. It seemed, seemed kind of crazy. Or they just wanted to, I don't know, they, they just wanted to really desecrate or, or, or whatever. Like they just wanted to chop people up and make a statement. Some people just want to watch the world burn. They sure do, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> no, Alfred. Alfred said that. Alfred said that. About the Joker. Uh, well, he was talking about uh, this guy that was stealing diamonds and throwing them away. Large rubies. Right. And he was making it seem like he was talking about the Joker. Right. Okay. Um. So, yeah, the wolves are chopping people up. Morgan's inside now. And he faces off with one of the wolves. Um, was this one of the ones he let live? Uh, I don't think so. This guy doesn't seem like he would... Uh, uh, yeah, I'd, I'm not sure. Later on in the episode, he has a showdown with one of the ones he let live, for sure. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I wasn't sure about this this guy. But Morgan, you know, as they're sort of sizing each other up, Morgan tells him to leave. Yeah. He doesn't say, I'm going to kill you. He doesn't threaten him. He says, you just leave. Just leave, please. Yeah, please go away. He does say please, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> please. <laughs> um, and Carol sort of sneaks up behind him and stabs the wolf, puts him down. And Carol has put on a new disguise. Yeah. She... And I figured that guy was going to throw his axe at Morgan. That's what I would have done. That would be just throwing away your weapon, though, wouldn't it? No, but uh, he's got a full beard, like a big, long beard. I'm pretty sure that anybody with a big, long beard knows how to throw an axe. Well, I have a big, long beard, and I do, so you must be right. Exactly. So you, you grow your beard, and you just, you're imbued with the power of being able to hurl an axe. Like, what's he going to do, put his staff up? I mean, axe versus wood is, you know, pretty much written in stone what what happens there, because yeah. that's why you have axes. It is, but I don't know. I feel like, number one, throwing an axe requires a fairly long wind-up, like get it above your head and then hurl it, right? So whoever it's being thrown at would have time to react to that. I don't know. Jump that's out of the pretty... way, prepare themselves. And a staff, I mean... You might be able to swing that staff like a baseball bat and knock the axe out of the air as it gets to you. I'm not saying that's easy, easy oh, to do. Oh, good Lord, no. It's a, a big piece of iron. Sure. But you know, all you got is this wooden staff that it sometimes seems like foam rubber. But it's Morgan. He's half a Jedi here, and he's he's pretty good with that stuff. Oh, he's doing a Jedi mind trick is what's going on here. Asking him to leave and saying, please? Yeah. <laughs> These aren't the living people you're looking for. This isn't the town you're looking for, yeah. Move along. Um, but back to Carol, she's put on a disguise and with a W on her forehead. So she is pretending to be one of them, which is cool. Mm. But then, you know, this is, this is Chewbacca getting into the ATST and shooting other ATSTs. Yes. Right? Yes. No, I, I, I gotcha. (laughs) It's Luke and Han putting on stormtrooper outfits and going to rescue Princess Leia. Yeah. Tonight is a Star Wars trailer, right? So... Well, I actually, oddly enough, over the weekend, Jenny and I did watch the uh, the, the f- initial trilogy of Star Wars films. Well, there you Star go. Star Wars, so, Return of the Jedi, and then and and then and Empire. Empire. Should be it should be not in that order. I hope though. No, not in that order. Should be fresh in your mind then. Um, Morgan says to her that they don't have to kill people; that he can stop them. But she's like, "Forget that. We have to get to the armory." 
Yeah. And we're going to kill people along the way. Quit your jibber-jabber. We've yeah. got things to do. That's right. That's right, crazy person. Uh, we see Spencer. He finds Deanna, his mom, and uh, Deanna says she's going to stay outside and that Spencer will keep her safe. Mm-hmm. I guess she figures it's safer to be outside right now because all the bad people are on the inside. Well, she's worried that she'll be a liability if she goes in there. She doesn't have a gun. She doesn't know how to fight. Yeah. I don't know anything. Uh, I'm going to be useless in there, so the only thing I can do is hide out here. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, she, she doesn't want anyone inside where it's really dangerous to have to protect her, so might as well stay out. We cut over into Dr. Cloyd's office. Holly is not doing very well. Um, Dr. Cloyd has no real confidence in her ability to save Holly and doesn't even really want to try, but Tara convinces her that she has to despite being afraid and she has, Dr. Cloyd basically has one of those, like, take a second, collect yourself, and then get to work moments. Yeah. Right? Where, um, you know, something goes wrong, you can't dwell on it, you have to rely on your knowledge and your expertise after you take, you know, a moment to count to five, and then get to frickin' works. And that's what she does, and she goes to work trying to save Holly's life. That's right from Lost. Oh yeah, that's that's Jack from, from Lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just uh, he was a surgeon. Yep. And uh, you just it's like you let the fear in for five seconds, and then uh, you get your shit together and go to work. And go to work. Yeah, exactly. That came up in something else I was watching recently. That exact same thing. I think it's a common theme. That was or, a good pilot or a familiar show. Oh, Lost was an amazing pilot. I watched it live on TV, never having heard of the show before. I was flip, flipping around channels, and I saw a commercial for Up Next lost i'm like huh wonder what this is i was hooked from the beginning really oh yeah i watched the first half uh oh no the second half of the pilot uh, i missed the first half and then uh didn't watch it again until the first season dvds came out and then i watched all the first season and i was that was it hmm. i was i was done i then i turned around and watched them again right away yeah no i caught it i caught it live from the beginning um, so we go to Ron, he is hiding behind a tree, but a wolf knows he's there and chases him. Uh, but the wolf gets shot by Carl coming out of his house. So now Carl huh. has saved Ron. Yay. And you know what I liked about this scene or that, that little bit of the scene is how full out those guys were running. They were running, they were fast guys. Did you notice like Ron was just hoofing it and the, the, uh, the wolf behind him was just given it all like sometimes you see people run in tv and they're just yeah. sort of jogging along oh but, my god it's like when they make liam neeson run boy it's, it's just sad it's just we'll see that's what i don't <laughs> like ron and this guy they were running like mad tom cruise he's a good runner tom cruise can run he runs in every movie he runs he and then he yells and then he uh he gets angry tom cruise can run like the wind and so can ron and this wolf and i i liked seeing it it seemed like there was genuine terror you know, in turn, on Ron's part, and he was trying to get the crap out of there as fast as he could. Anyways, Ron com- or uh, Carl comes out, shoots the guy, and then the wolf starts begging Carl not to kill him. Yes. Like, what a pansy, man! <laughs> you it know, was a ploy. I know it was a. It was ploy. a pansy ploy. It was it, a typical well, pansy ploy. I guess so, but man, you're gonna come into someone's town, attack them, hack them all up, take a bullet to the leg, and then be like, "Oh, please don't kill me. I'm really a good person." But yeah. you're right, it was a ploy. And uh, he tries to grab Carl's gun, but Carl shoots him and kills him. So well, you, you don't take you know, that. When you're grabbing a, uh, a a weapon by the barrel, 
chances are you're going to get shot. Yeah, there's a pretty good chance, yeah. You just, you would, and he didn't even stick his finger in the end of the barrel. I mean, everybody knows that you stick a finger in the end of the barrel and you pull the trigger and the damn thing blows up like a flower, like a pansy. Well, that's not true. <laughs> but I do have a question for you. That's cartoons. cartoons if you put happens. your finger in the barrel of a gun yeah. and the gun fires, obviously yeah. you're going to lose your hand and probably part of your arm. But will it actually maybe prevent no. your death? No, because it, there's a little tiny explosion going on in there. Right, Chances. but your hand will will mitigate that somewhat, right? I mean, you're not well, going to get shot in the chest or the head. You're going to get shot in the finger. Well, it depends. If you move it, if it's pointed at your hand and then your head, you'll get shot in the head. Is it? So your your hand isn't going to stop that bullet in any way. No. Huh. Do you know how much damage to the rifle you would do if you stuck your finger in the uh, in the, in the barrel when he pulled the trigger? Zero. Almost none at all. Okay. Fair enough. So it's really not a good idea, I'd say. Don't grab a gun by the barrel. Maybe that's a better idea. Yeah. Um, okay. We've been all over the place a little bit, but that's all right. He Carl tells Ron to come inside, but Ron refuses. When I think when he sees Enid standing in the door, he's like, "No, forget it." Now he's on his way home to see if his mom is okay. To be fair, too, I you know I might I don't hold that against him in any way. Right. My family's in danger. You know, I could hang out with my friends. They have an assault rifle, that's a plus, but my mom might be in danger. My girlfriend's here, kind of, my girlfriend, but, but My know. girlfriend was here with her other boyfriend. Yeah. It all seems very uh, convoluted, so better go save your mom. Yeah. Well, we cut over to Jesse and Sam, they're in the closet, and they hear somebody outside, but then they hear Ron's voice. So Jesse leaves, leaving Sam by himself in the closet. For all we know, he's still in that closet, because I don't think we see him again in the episode, do we? <laughs> Uh, nope, he's I, in the closet. He's, so. he's just hiding in there. Um, and Jesse goes down in the kitchen. She gets attacked by one of the wolves, gets thrown to the ground, and seems like she's, you know, unconscious for a second. But she comes to, grabs some scissors, and stabs that wolf lady right in the chest multiple times. Takes chest her Chest and face. Chest and like, face is just yeah. going to town on her. Um, Ron comes in and witnesses her, you know, kneeling over the the wolf, the dead wolf, and then she delivers one last stab to the head, <laughs> right to the face. I thought that was funny for some reason. Uh, it was pretty brutal, I thought. It was. It was. It seemed like a very weird horror movie kind of scene with the stabby and the, the blood flying everywhere. I don't know. It just reminded me of uh, many, many Survivor Girl uh, horror movies. Yeah, maybe, but like sometimes The Walking Dead is a bit of a horror movie, and, and that's one of the I, things I like about it. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it reminded me of that. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty entertaining scene, um, just because of how, uh, just how crazy Jesse went in the moment, right? Like she's protecting her kids, and that's you know a lot of parents would do anything to protect their children. So, um, it was it was pretty great. I thought seeing her stab her, and there's an amazing still shot that AMC released of, you know, her delivering the first stab to the chest with blood just spurting out. And to be honest, I'll probably use it for the image that goes with this episode. Nice. <laughs> so it's a good one. Sometimes the pictures that AMC releases for each episode are kind of lame because they're very staged. Even though they depict a scene from the episode, you can tell they're just very staged. Yeah. Um, but this one probably is. And who knows, the blood might not even be, it might be Photoshopped for all I know. Oh, yeah. But it looks oh, yeah. good. 
Yeah, it looks good. Uh, we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, Carol is now leading Morgan like he's a prisoner because remember she's pretending to be one of the wolves. Yeah. They get past some wolves, and uh, one of them even says, "Hey, nice catch," or something like that. There was, hey, nice catch, and then they said a name. They did, because they recognized, she took the clothes off one of the dead wolves, and they recognized, or they thought they recognized her as their friend. Not very observant. No, not really, but they said her name. Um, As they pass that first couple of wolves, though, they they see someone getting attacked, and Morgan has to go help, but uh, forget it. Carol's like, just leave him. And uh, Carol kills some more wolves by shooting them, and then runs into a building, and we see Morgan, and he's saving Father Gabe from one of the wolves. Mm-hmm. So that scene where uh, Carol runs up and shoots those uh, a number of people, that was in the trailer for the season. It was. A lot of this was, actually. That scene was in it, and then the bit where um, Morgan goes and rescues Father Gabe was in it, too, but we couldn't tell who Morgan was fighting. Yeah. We thought it was Father Gabriel, actually, if I remember correctly. Strange. Um, but you're right, that scene was there, and we, you know, we debated who would be in that hood and why they'd be shooting. Turns out it's Carol in disguise again. Was I right originally? Did I think it was Carol in disguise? I, you know what, I have a feeling you might have, but... I, I think I might have too. For some reason, that seemed familiar to me. Yeah, we'd have to go back and check, or somebody should go back and check. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was right about that. Yeah, I think so. That was a good call. It's a good call, Jason. Yeah. Um... What happens next? Uh, So Morgan saves Father Gabe, and another one chases Carol into the armory. So she gets into the armory, and uh, she kills one who's in there, and um, uh, what happens? Shoots the other one, and and he runs away? (laughs) She shoots him two or three times in the back with an assault rifle, and he runs away. And he runs away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's fine. He'll be fine. I think he probably collapsed on the stairs right outside the door. Yeah, probably. Right? Um, and then she finds Olivia hiding in the closet. You know, I don't blame her. A lot of, if, if your town's under attack and you don't know what to do, hide in a closet. Yeah. Um, so Carol loads up a bag of weapons and she shows Olivia how to shoot a gun. Basically say, if anyone opens this door, shoot them until they're on the ground. Yes. <laughs> so I don't want to be the next person to open that door, whether I'm friendly or not. So we leave her in the closet too. We never find out what happens to her. Well, we left her in the armory. She wasn't technically in the closet anymore. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she went back into the closet. <laughs> I don't know, man. She points that gun right at the door as Carol is walking out. I don't know. I don't think she could hold it there for very long. Maybe not. Like, just try, uh, pick, up, pick up a five-pound weight and hold it out at arm's length in front of you for, I don't know, five minutes? See if you can do it. Here, I got the base of my old microphone stand. This is at least five pounds. I'll just hold it like this for the next little while. All right, hold it for the rest of the podcast. All right. So uh, Morgan, we go over to him, and he's binding the hands of the wolf that was attacking Father Gabe. And Gabe asked him how he learned to do this, and he said, I learned how to do this from a cheesemaker. Did he say he learned it from a cheesemaker, or he was a cheesemaker? No, he said, I learned it from a cheesemaker. Okay, because I thought that was a little weird. I thought I heard he was a cheesemaker. Yes. How? So I was trying to put tying hands with cheesemaker together and I couldn't do it. Well, so it's just coincidental that he learned it from a cheesemaker. He didn't learn cheese making skills on how to tie people's hands. He just learned tying skills from a guy who happened to be a cheesemaker. This is starting to get heavy. Yeah, you can put it down. It's bugging me. Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, the only thing I can think of here, you ever been to a fancy cheese shop? 
No. You're well, you're the cheese guy. I am a cheese guy. And I've been to a couple of fancy cheese shops and they use a tool uh, to cut the cheese. <laughs> they use a tool. You to don't cut- need a tool for that, my friend. <laughs> and by fancy cheese shop, do you mean the section of the grocery store where they sell cheese? Uh, no, but they do. I, I spend a lot of time there too. But no, there used to be a cheese shop around the corner from my house that was just exclusively a cheese shop. And they sold a lot of different fancy cheeses from all over the world. But they had a tool for cutting it, which was two handles connected with a wire and so you don't use a knife to cut it you drag this thing across the cheese and it, you know it slices it into nice slices yeah. for you like a garrot is that what that's called well when you wrap it around somebody's neck and pull right it's called a garrot so i don't, I don't know. know if it's called the same thing for cheese okay well i didn't know it was called that for murdering people but anyways maybe that has something to do with it the cheese maker used his cheese tool skills for binding people or you know cutting their slitting their throats or something like that and it just seems like a bad D &D character maybe the cheese maker (laughs) cheese maker (laughs) or a bad marvel villain it's all i could think of but maybe the cheese making you know aspect of this guy's job has nothing to do with why morgan was able to learn some skills from him and we'll find out more about that later. Maybe he was a cheesemaker slash serial killer that's been, you know, working through the United States for 27 years. Maybe. Well, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but the wolf on the ground here starts saying something interesting. And he starts telling them, we're freeing you. You're trapped. People don't belong here anymore. Yeah. So are we getting a little bit of insight into the wolf's mentality here? Um, you know, that, that society is finished, that it's over, that it's done. And you guys trying to live like, like the world used to be is just unacceptable. Or maybe the world is for the dead and the living don't, shouldn't live here anymore. And, and part of it is like the, you know, the, the wolves are taking over again, right? Humans came in and wolves were no longer the king of the jungle, so to speak. And now that humanity is gone and it's all zombies it's the wolves who are ruling things again and the wolves don't like the fact that alexandria exists sort of like the olden days or the way you know yeah. civilization was do you think there's a uh, uh kind of a occult preacher out there uh you know overseeing this flock of wolves i know that flock isn't a great correct term for wolves but I'm just wondering if there's a uh, some kind of cult preacher out there could preaching be gospel could be I don't know I mean Something that occurred to me during this episode, too, is, you know, the wolves have attacked, and this can't be all we're going to see of this group of of characters called the wolves, right? I mean, they attacked. Later on in the episode, they basically get uh, driven out of Alexandria. That's that's not it, right? There's got to be more to this story. there's got to be more. But then I started thinking, Scott Gimple and the current, you know, production team of this show— they like to move through things quickly. I mean, when 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 our group was stuck in the train car, did you ever in a million years think that we'd have one single episode about what happens at Terminus? No, I thought we were going to get the first half of the next season. Or maybe more, but then it was done in an episode. And there was a lot of buildup towards Terminus, right? They were traveling there for a long time. You'd think something was going to happen. So there's been a lot of buildup toward the wolves. And now we've had an attack by the wolves. And they were run out of Alexandria. I wonder if this is this is it. This is all we're going to see. They would have all died. They would have killed them all. 
I don't know, if, man. If that was it. I I don't know, because the next thing that you got to think is going to happen is the giant herd of zombies is on their way. So, like, next week, we're going to have to deal with that. And, you know, a giant herd of 3,000 zombies or whatever it is, is probably even too much for the wolves to handle. So maybe they get eliminated by the zombies. I I just, it, it occurred to me, like, this is it. Maybe, maybe all that buildup was for this attack, and... That's it. We're done with the wolves. Could be, but I don't think so. No, I kind of don't think so either, but then, I don't know, this show has confused me a little bit lately Lately, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, anyways, back to Morgan and this wolf. Um, you know, they're binding his hands. Carol just walks up, shoots him in the head because she's no-nonsense Carol. And <laughs> yeah. she gives a gun to Gabriel. She offers one to Morgan and ends up leaving both guns with Father Gabriel, who doesn't know what to do with either of them. <laughs> yeah, but now he's got guns akimbo, so he'll be uh, he'll be a machine. He will. He'll be a priest with guns akimbo. Yeah, he's going to find some Molinier, Molinier armor. Yeah. From uh, Halo, Spartan, the Spartan armor. He's going to find a suit of that. There you go. He'll be, uh, he'll be Halo, uh, Master Chief. <laughs> <laughs> the Master Chief. Yeah. All right, we go over to Rosita and Aaron. They're sneaking around, killing some wolves. Um, you know, we see a wolf hacking at a body again, and Carol kills him, comes and executes him. Um, Morgan encounters a group of wolves. How many more times can I say wolves in this recap? Uh, probably a bunch. Probably a bunch. We'll see. Now, he there's it's Morgan against a bunch of them, like at least five, I think. It's exactly five. Okay, thank you. And once again, he asks them to leave. And as he's kind of doing this, he fends off their attacks with his staff. And he explains to them that, you know, the you people don't have guns, but my people do. They're all pointed at you right now. There's no way you can win this. So you have to leave and never come back. Right. And that's what happens. The wolves decide to go. And, you know, they run for the gate. Morgan lets them go and he closes the gate behind them. And one of the wolves picks up a gun and puts it in his pants on the way out. We have a gun now, sucker. Yeah, we're still leaving, but we got a gun now. Yeah. So Morgan just lets them leave. And he makes a point to say, never come back, which is another reason I think maybe that's it for the wolves. So yeah. um, we cut to a commercial break and we come back and uh, Carol, she's standing over dead Shelly, who was smoking. She grabs her cigarettes and uh, she takes one out and tries to rub the W off her forehead and then notices a red A sticker on the porch railing. Yeah. So I don't understand the red A. I mean, I know what it's referring to. We saw red A painted on the uh, church. They were in train car A at Terminus. But this A wasn't here before. So did the wolves mark this house during the attack? I don't know. And, I haven't. And sorry, quite... why? What does it have to do with the wolves? Because the A marking was from Terminus and uh, the people there. Are the wolves somehow related to Terminus? I don't think the wolves are related to Terminus. They've come a long way from Terminus. Uh, the only one oh, yeah, who possibly have followed them was Morgan, because he did. Mm -hmm. And he didn't bring the wolves with him. He encountered them once he got here. So what's the deal with the A? Is it has it always been there? Is it a weird coincidence? Is this like, you know, Alexandria Lane address 32A and 32B is next door? Well, no, because they would have put that next to the, like, it's house 101, right? I, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering what is the deal with the, the A? Is. 
Uh, it, and it is a sticker. It's not like somebody wrote on there. It's a, it's a sticker. Mm-hmm. So, like, is there a sticker factory that uh, kids love stickers? Funny. Like, did we miss one of the kids putting stickers on at some point? Like, was Sam playing with stickers at the beginning when uh, when Carol walks past him? I don't know. I'd have to go back and check. But there, there's three possibilities. All right, lay so, them on me. One is that it's going to become important later on. Yes. Uh, the second one is that it was important, but the reason it was important was left on the cutting room floor uh, so that we didn't get to see that part. I don't like that reason. No, that's it's not probably not it. And the third reason is uh, it doesn't have any meaning whatsoever and snuck into the editing, editing room for who knows why. Or is it just like... Some kind of weird callback to the A, and they're going to sprinkle in references to the letter A throughout the rest of this show. It it was a callback, because like, we all know what that A was, but why is it here, and why is it a sticker? And they cho- and yeah, and they chose to really focus on it. I mean, if it was subtle, more subtle in the background, you know, it could have yeah. been just nothing, but they really had a dedicated shot to this A. Yeah. So I think it's the first possibility. I think it's going to become important or it's going to become understood in the future. All right. Well, everybody listening, if if we're idiots, which, you know, there's a great possibility of that being true, and we don't understand the A or miss something, let us know. because Help us. Yeah, because I'm not sure where it came from. I know what it means within the, the uh, universe of The Walking Dead TV show. But why is it there and what is it doing? You know, why is it important to us? So, all right. Um, we get uh, Aaron walking among uh, some dead wolves, the ones that Carol shot, I think. And he stabs one in the head. So he's just, you know, stabbing them so they don't come back as zombies. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. He finds a bag with photos in it. And these are yeah. the photos that he used to carry around to show to potential well, show to people that he found or came across that, you know, proved to them that Alexandria was a safe place with walls. Yeah, right. So I started thinking here, because he looked pretty distressed at this. Does he think this is all his fault? Yes, absolutely thinks it is fault. his fault. He lost this bag and told the wolves where they were. Yeah. And uh, it's all his fault. This is going to be this is going to be tough for him to recover from cuz like all these people are dead, you know, their houses are destroyed, lots of stuff is destroyed and he thinks it's all his fault. And uh I mean I I can't really say that it is, but the photos might not have helped. Right. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Um so we might get more Aaron. I I hope we do. I like that character. I think he's he's good and he's 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 a great addition to the show. So I do hope we get more about Aaron. Um, we go into Dr. Cloyd's office, and Holly now dies while Denise, Dr. Cloyd, is trying to revive her. And, of course, she's upset, but Tara says, at least you tried. Yeah. You had to have tried. But then as she's leaving, she says, uh, don't forget to get the brain. So <laughs> don't forget she, about her brain stabbing. Yeah, she kind of goes from being you know sensitive to a little insensitive, I think. All in one. Uh, it all needs in one to moment. be done. Like you, sensitive or not, you need to. You know, if you just stand here feeling sorry for yourself and don't do anything about this, you could be in trouble. Yeah, so, you I know. know. Being being nice and and uh, you know kind to someone is one thing, but uh, you got to save their life. You got to remind them of reality every now and again. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, there's no, there's not a lot of time given to being sensitive towards people's feelings. 
in this world and in this show. So, hey, all these scenes with uh, with Tara and Alana Masterson, played by Alana Masterson. Yep. Did you, did it ever dawn on you that she's pregnant in real life and she had that like big baggy shirt on to hide it? Uh, didn't dawn on me, but the second my wife saw her, went, she went, she's pregnant. Yeah, well, she is. She's pregnant in real life. So congratulations to her. And uh, we're probably going to be seeing her, you know, talking from behind like hedges and with yeah. large shirts on or with a huge gun in, in front of her to, yeah. to block it. it. Took my wife exactly one third of a second who figured that out. Yeah, it's it was uh, I thought it was pretty obvious when she first walked in with Eugene earlier in the episode. Um, we go outside to Maggie, Deanna, Spencer, and Rosita, uh, inside the wall and, uh, outside the wall. Out, are they outside the wall? They're, they're still outside because the, the bracing beams are outside the wall. Right. That's right. The ones that people can climb up to, to jump over. Right. Yeah. Um, wrote, uh, Rosita tells Spencer to make sure that he has something worth dying for. Yeah. I, th- I think she's trying to say... You know, you didn't, you know, like, I, I mean, I guess you were scared and, but if you have something worth dying for, it sort of takes the fear away or something and you can fight better. Yeah. Or, you know, life sucks and, uh, the world is a harsh bitch of a place. And if you okay, have something yeah. worth dying for, then that makes it a little bit better. It makes you want to continue to live. Yeah. Actually. Right. Yeah. Which is an interesting, uh, interesting thought. Um, they go and kill the zombie version of uh, the guy who lit on fire and fell off the wall. His name was Richard, I believe. So they go kill him, stab him in the head. He's all burned up, of course. Um, we go back to Carl. He's looking around the house for Enid, but she's gone. And then he finds a note on the floor that says, just survive somehow. J-S-S. So that's what J-S-S means. Um, I must admit, I had forgotten all about JSS as I was watching this episode. <laughs> and I'm glad because I, I didn't want to be sitting there the whole time thinking, oh, when are they going to let us know what that means? Come on, come on. Yeah. So when he picked it up, I'm like, oh, great. There, there it is. But I wasn't thinking about it the whole time, which is good. Um, and then Carol's cooking timer goes off. So Ding. he so he goes and takes the food out of the oven. Yeah. And I'm glad you pointed out that it was 45 minutes before, so we know that this whole thing, this whole attack, basically took 45 minutes. Exactly 45 minutes. The other thing about this scene that I really liked is it was a weird, weird, weird juxtaposition of all this horrific murder and terror that just happened in the last 45 minutes, and the second that it's over... Carl just goes back to regular life, takes the food out of the oven, you know, and puts it on the counter like nothing happened. Yep. And Judith didn't even wake up. She didn't even wake up. Exactly. All that gunfire. There was, uh, yeah, there was a baby monitor on the counter when Carol was making the uh, making mm-hmm. the casserole and put it in the oven and we yep. saw Judith sleeping. So I assume she's still asleep. Well, didn't even know. I know when my kids were babies and they were sleeping, anytime there was a whole lot of gunfire outside, they would wake up. They would, eh? Yeah, they would. Well, you have to get them used to that, you know, making noise so that they don't uh, need absolute quiet in order to uh, uh, to sleep. So it's always probably good practice that uh, when your kids are young, uh, that you go upstairs and just, you know, fire off a few rounds, get them used to gunfire uh-huh. so that, uh, you know, when the shit hits the fan, <laughs> when they hear, uh, they'll just sleep right through the gunfire. Yeah, well, not my kids. Every time there was a hail of gunfire on the street in front of my house, they would wake right up. They just woke right up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Uh, These are weird. Yeah, they're weird that way. 
Um, but I just liked how, I mean, I thought it was strange, but I also liked what it said about sort of some of these characters, or at least Carl, where, you know, all this shit could just go down and all these people be killed. Oh, and then the, the timer goes off. So he takes the casserole out of the oven like <laughs> nothing happened. Yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, we see Morgan, he finds another zombie and he kills it. And then he carefully goes into a house with the door open and he's making his way down the hall and then he's attacked by the long haired wolf that he let live last season. Yeah. The long haired, the black haired, dirty looking guy that, uh, that he let live. So they fight. Morgan takes a bunch of blows, but eventually gets the better of the guy. You know, it's one of those typical living room fights where the, the coffee table gets smashed and somebody bashes into a big painting on the wall and, yeah, well, the, uh, the coffee table wasn't made of glass. Usually the coffee table is made of glass. That's true. This was made of wood, but it still got destroyed. It didn't. It uh, it stood up to the fight. Go back and watch. There's a coffee table still there. Really? It didn't, it didn't break. The, like the legs didn't even crumble? No. He landed on it. They rolled off and uh, everything was fine. Coffee oh. table's great. It was a good coffee table. Well, it's good. It, 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 it still played a role in the fight, though, like they always do, coffee tables. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, um, uh, Morgan, you know, eventually gets the better of the guy and the wolf says to him, you can't kill me, but you should have, or something like that. Yeah. And uh, they continue to fight a bit, and then Morgan says, I'm sorry, and finishes him off. So Morgan yeah. does kill him this time. But at least he apologized first. He did. He apologized. But Morgan, I think, you know, at this point, he's done telling people to leave. Now he's yeah. like, that's it. <laughs> you are going down. You're leaving the hard way. Yeah, that's right. Everyone else I let walk out the gate. You, we're throwing you over the wall. Uh, outside... Morgan and Carol pass each other wordlessly on the street. The camera pans up to another drone shot, or maybe this was a crane shot. It wasn't nearly as high as the drone shot from the end of the last episode. Um, and that's it. It's over. So Morgan and Carol sort of seeing eye to eye in the end, but not really. But they yeah. don't say anything to each other on the street. So interesting episode. What did you... What are your thoughts on this one? How do you like this one compared to last week's? I, I think this was a solid second episode. I was a little worried that this would be uh, a filler backstory type episode, but uh, it was definitely not that. I thought it was a really good solid episode. And for the first time in the entire run of this series, no Rick. Are you, that's not the first time. We had no Rick at least once before. That can't be true. No, it is. Um, I'd have to go back and figure out one, which one it is, but I'm sure back in season two or maybe three, we had a Rickless episode. All right, I'm going. I'm taking a look here. Is this true? Yes, sir. This man has no Rick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure, but you're right. No Rick, no Michonne, no Daryl, no Abraham, no Sasha. They were all still out at the zombie parade. Um. But if you can figure that out, I'm sure there was at least one more episode without any Rick. I thought this was also a pretty good episode. Now, you said it was a good second episode. Do you mean that it there was something about it that made it its secondness stand out? Yeah, it was number two in the series <laughs> of this season so far. That's what I meant, though. That's, uh, yeah, last episode was the premiere. This okay. is the second episode. That's it. It was a solid, I didn't mean to qualify it in any way. I think this was uh, a solid episode and just happened to be the second one this season. Okay, good. All right. I understand now. I thought it was pretty pretty good too. Um, 
it was it was action packed really like you know as soon as as uh what's her name shelly gets uh gets hacked by that guy it is full speed ahead at that point and nearly two-thirds maybe three-quarters of this episode was the wolves attacking alexandria and everyone reacting to it carol obviously is super badass yep um but then you know uh, pretty much everybody who was in Alexandria, I mean, a lot of them got killed, but Carol was pretty awesome. Morgan was awesome. Carl seemed to know what he was doing. Maggie is really the only one that we didn't see much of in this episode, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. You know, she was, she was running around with Deanna most of the time. Um, but this was a good one, super entertaining. And, uh, you know, I think it's pretty solid. Now we've had two episodes in a row here that are pretty fast moving Mm -hmm. i wonder if they're going to keep this pace up like all season i don't well the next episode they have to right because we've had uh episode we've had part a where we have the uh the zombie parade and then part b we had the wolves visit and uh the next episode we have to have the uh the zombies the zombie parade visit yeah i i think you do like you can't really delay that anymore they're on the way they're and, not going to get to eat that casserole. Well, they better eat it quick. <laughs> that casserole is going to get cold. The zombies are going to show up and then they're going to have to leave. Yep. And then Carol's going to be like, damn it, my casserole. I spent a half an hour making that thing. 45 minutes, actually. Well, 45 minutes in the oven. Oh, half sorry. Hour prep. Well, there you go. Hour 15. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you. Th- I think so. Like, really, when you think about it, this since season six began, and it's only been two episodes, but we have had no time breaks it's all straight on zombie parade and then we even go back a little bit to see what was going on in alexandria before the horn blew and uh we find out that it was a giant or it was a a wolf attack so it's it's breakneck speed this season so far and i kind of like it but i hope it doesn't stay this way the whole season long i don't know it's been pretty good so far you, you want a little more character development is what you want well, I don't necessarily think that you can't do character development and keep this breakneck speed going. Um, but I, I do think every now and then it's nice to have it sort of slow down for a minute, catch your breath, and then shoot off again in some new direction. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, pretty good episode. So I'm way off on the Rick thing. Uh, they're, out of the 69 episodes that have aired so far, uh, Andrew Lincoln has been in 60 of them. There are nine episodes now that he's been missing. Nine. Five. He was not in five episodes of season four. He was only in 11 of the 16 episodes. Well, don't forget, we had two about the governor that he wasn't in, remember? Yeah. No, no, I'm I'm fully admitting here I'm way off. Yeah. I was, uh, I was not correct in that. I'm surprised that it's that many, though. I'm surprised that it's nine. I would have said uh, three, four, five, maybe, but nine seems like a lot. Well, he's been in four more than anybody else. The next highest number of uh, episodes somebody's been in is Stephen Yuan, Yuan and Chandler Riggs. Both have been 56. Hmm. And, and uh, Norman Reedus has been in 55. Interesting. Well, there you go. You, it's funny. You just you don't really notice when those guys are missing as much. But Rick, being Rick, it really stands out when he's not there. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the next episode is going to be the one where we get the scenes of Rick running that we saw in the trailer. Right. I think he's going to be running back towards Alexandria with the horn blaring. That's true. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, pretty good episode. Let us know what you thought. Send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, 
you know what's coming up. Holy crap, did you see that? Stay tuned. If you want to help support the Talking Dead podcast, a really great way to do that is use our Amazon link. You know, we're getting towards the holiday season now. Halloween is is coming up. After that, it's American Thanksgiving and and, uh, Black Friday leading right into Christmas. So we know you have some shopping to do. And if you're going to do all your shopping at Amazon, the best thing to do would be to go to TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice. Or just to make it easier for everybody in the U.S., you can just hit amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com and go straight to the U.S. store. Um, What happens? You know, you make purchases. A small little bit of your purchase comes back to us. doesn't cost you anything. And, you know, we have no idea what you buy, so don't worry about that. It's all totally anonymous. But we benefit. Everybody benefits because you feel good. We feel good. And uh, all the money goes right back into uh, putting on the podcast. So we'd love it if you'd use our Amazon links, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. And we thank everyone so much for your support. Holy crap. Did you see that? All righty. Time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? Uh, got a whole bunch this week. Thanks to everyone for sending them in. We're going to start with Slick Nick on the internet. Slick Nick. That's the man. That's the guy. Slick Nick writes. I almost said Slick writes. I wonder if he goes by Slick. <laughs> I would. <laughs> of course. I, in fact, I'm going to. All right. Slick Jason. It doesn't uh, roll off the tongue slick. as well. All right. All right, Slick. How about Raisin Jason? You. <laughs> Raisin Jason? That you doesn't work. You or... <laughs> Slick Nick writes, Holy crap, all reptiles and amphibians, especially turtles, 
are extremely dangerous to touch because they are so often contaminated with salmonella. Eating a turtle raw is batshit insane. Well, that's what my wife said. She said she, she's going to get salmonella. And I said, only on the outside. You know, you rinse that sucker off, you're good to go, as far as I'm concerned. I don't understand. You rinse the turtle <laughs> off and you're fine? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, the meat on know. the inside is no, okay? There, all right, there's salmonella throughout. I, I would cook the turtle. I personally would cook the turtle. Even if you stuck a knife in, you mixed all the guts around, and then you put it on a fire, you cook it in its own shell, nice and tasty uh, turtle soup. I would cook the fire too, but maybe Enid didn't know how to make fire. I don't know. I don't know. It was was it raining? Maybe she couldn't make fire in the rain. I, I'm not sure. I could make a fire. You do in what the rain. you got to do, right? Well, you know, that's you true. take your chance on salmonella. I'm not. I'm sure that not every turtle is filled with salmonella. Just like not every chicken breast that you buy at the grocery store is filled with salmonella. Well, good sure lord, that- I hope most of them aren't. <laughs> Exactly, right? Like yeah. you could eat, you could go to probably go to the grocery store and eat chicken breasts raw all day and not get sick, right? But you know, every 5,000 chicken breasts there might be some salmonella in there. So you have to cook the chicken in case it's one of the ones that has salmonella. Wait, is that true? I I've sort of always thought that salmonella just exists in raw chicken and uh you're not supposed to eat it. Well, I know you're not supposed to eat it, but like, I think the chances are get it, of getting it are high, but I don't really know. I know dogs can eat raw chicken and be fine, so I don't know. I'm looking it up. All right, Thank good God for you. Thank God we have the internet. Holy crap. Thank God. What would we do? My God. Uh, I'll uh, move on to Donnie in Suffolk, Virginia, by way of North Augusta, South Carolina. Right. And Donnie says, I'm not sure about you guys, but that episode ranks in my top five Walking Dead episodes of all time. I had to watch it twice. It had so many holy craps, I almost crapped myself. <laughs> from Enid, Ew. Yeah, from Enid <laughs> eating the turtle, which was disturbing to watch, to Carol's ninja wolf kick-ass performance, the show is two for two in my books. So that's pretty two good. Two two. Yeah. Well, this season, I guess. That's pretty good praise. Um... Chuck from Chesapeake, Virginia, writes, Holy crap, Enid having to sit in the car and watch her parents get eaten. That was brutal on a Noah level. And, of course, he's referring to Noah getting eaten inside the revolving door. Yes. Pretty bad. Uh, Steve on the internet writes, So I'm betting 98% of the holy crap did you see that moments are going to revolve around Carol's badassery. So I am picking the editing of Enid's backstory. I loved the morbid cutaways they did moments before her family are eviscerated or she helped herself to some turtle sushi. It's a neat little technique that tells volumes of story without having to show the gory bits. Yeah. No, I really like that, uh, the opening sequence. It's good. And as I said earlier, a little unusual for The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Any update on the salmonella research? I'm, uh, I'm looking here and I see a chart that says uh, percent tested positive. But I don't know if that's post cooking or uh, pre cooking. Okay. Well, I'm st- I'm still I'm still looking. Still working on that. Okay. I'll just continue yeah. with what I'm doing over here while you're yeah. doing that. Uh, Dan from Columbus, Ohio writes: the cigarettes being smoked by Mrs. Niedermeyer were Morley's. This is the same brand of cigarettes that were smoked in the X Files by cigarette smoking man and by characters in Breaking Bad. Morley is a typical. Uh, brand of cigarettes for the uh, movie and television industry. Well, Andre from Hudson, Massachusetts writes, holy crap, did you see that Morley cigarette pack? Morley cigarettes is a fake brand used in movies and TV series like Psycho, The Twilight Zone, Breaking Bad, Buffy, Lost, and many others. 
it's like 555 as a phone number and Oceanic Airlines and uh, what else? All kinds of stuff like that. Duff Beer. Duff Man. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's just The Simpsons. It is, but I, I used to have a Duff Beer clock in my kitchen. What do you mean used to? You you remodeled your kitchen and got rid of the Duff Beer clock? No, it, it fell on the wall and broke. Oh, thank but, God. But it's even, I wouldn't have gotten rid of it. I love the Duff Beer clock. Well, that's why I'm saying thank God. Like, at least it broke and it, it wasn't something that's like, yeah, I'm going to retire the clock. Funny this. part was it fell and hit my younger daughter on the head. Like, and, she and she just happened to be standing there. The <laughs> clock falls off the wall, bounces off her head. She wasn't hurt, seriously, but uh, she didn't like it so much. Clock hits the ground and, like, breaks in half. <laughs> but, Did you run over, push her out of the way, and pick up the clock? No. You know what, <laughs> you know what I think happened? She was probably standing against the wall, right under the clock, bumping up against the wall, yeah. knocked it off, landed right on her head. But Kids are very wiggly. Good, yeah, and good comedy right there. Um, next is Olivia on our Facebook page. Olivia writes, holy crap, did you see that? Carol is a wolf posing as a sheep in wolf's clothing. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Matt on our Facebook page writes, holy crap, did you see that whole episode? I'm in love with Melissa McBride. Yeah. Fair enough, Matt. And Sally on the internet writes, holy crap, had to be when that poor lady was trying to enjoy a smoke and Otis's twin brother gutted her, then oh, capped God. her with a machete. Fuck me. That was intense and <laughs> unexpected. Right. <laughs> it really was. I That scene came out of nowhere. Like, they don't surprise me too much on this show, but that surprised me. Carol's looking out the window, and you think it's just a scene of her smoking outside, and it's, you know, just referencing back to a couple scenes ago, and then suddenly she's cut in half. Right. I mean, not really in half, but, you know, sliced open. Sliced open, gutted. Gutted, exactly. Crazy. Uh, Emily in Arizona. Holy crap, did you see that? Holly is dead before we even got to see her face. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why they decided to do that, because Holly's been referenced on the show multiple times. Mm -hmm. Holly, if I'm not mistaken, is a character from the comic. And you think, they're talking about Holly so much... They're going to introduce her into the show, but then there was no casting, there was no announcement, there was nothing, and then we get Holly, and you never really see her face. If you noticed, in almost every scene, it's either obscured by her hair or by some medical equipment or something, you never really see her, and then she's dead. Yeah. It's weird. It's it, like it's kind of cool. It's, it's, an inter it's a neat thing to do, but I thought it was kind of odd. It's just a small thing. You know, you reference somebody a couple of times and then uh, you kill them off. I think it's fun. I think it's an entertaining thing to do. I don't think it's particularly weird. Well, no, that's kind of what I mean. I mean, it's it's unusual, but it is fun. I agree with you. It's it's fun. They got to do fun stuff once in a while, right? Right. Uh, Brian in Wentzville, Missouri says, holy crap, Morgan killed someone finally. But what part of his victim was in the blue lunch sack Morgan had at the end of the episode? I don't remember seeing a blue lunch bag. He was carrying something at the end of the episode. I think uh, he grabbed a sandwich from somewhere. So it wasn't like the guy's foot or left buttocks or something. Well, I don't think a, his buttock would fit in the uh, uh, it would fit in that bag, but an ear might. Oh, but he's not an ear guy. That's Daryl. That's Daryl. Yeah. So yeah, foot, sure. hand, maybe head is too big. Head's too big. Okay. 
Probably just a sandwich. A chunk of his buttock. <laughs> Made into a sandwich, maybe. <laughs> um, Danny in Houston, Texas writes, Morgan learned his Jedi bow staff skills from a cheesemaker? There are so many oh crap moments in this episode. Death by hair, scissors, Rambo Carol, no Daryl, Rick, Michonne, Glenn, Abraham, or Sasha. But a cheesemaker? I must know more. <laughs> I think uh, we're all intrigued. I think that uh, we should get backstory. Maybe we'll get that next episode. Maybe that'll be our slowdown after these two Big Bang things. Oh my God, you might be right. And then we're going to get a backstory episode. Because last episode had Morgan. This was kind of Morgan a little more in the center of things. So I think we're all like, cheese maker? Yeah. And then we get a backstory, and then the zombies hit the fan. Oh, they love doing that, don't they? I mean, two fast episodes set up a bunch of stuff. Now we're going to have a bottle episode with Morgan again, learning to swing that bow from a cheese maker. What's the, uh, what's the trailer for next week? Do we know? Have you seen it? No, I have not seen it. Is it out? It's got to be out. Yeah, I'm sure it's out. And you know what? I... I think you see, well, I haven't seen it, but I, I remember someone uh, describing a little bit of it, and I think you see Rick running. That doesn't mean right. it still can't be a, a Morgan episode, but um, I don't, know. That's, I don't a, know. that's a good idea. Look up what the title is for next week if you can. All right. So the, I'm just going to say The Flash Runs, Rick run, Runs, Flashback. Huh? Oh, jeez, man. You're reaching, but I like it. <laughs> what am I looking up again? <laughs> the title of episode three while I All read right. the next holy crap. Um, uh, Michael in London, my holy crap moment is a toss of a coin between holy crap, they've given Rosita something to do, or holy crap, why didn't the car or bike go faster than two miles an hour after they heard the alarm going off in Alexandria? What he's meaning is why didn't Daryl or... Uh, Abraham and Rosita, like, you know, put the pedal down and get back there as fast as they could. Well, because they're trying to get the zombies back on track. You think they're still doing that? Well, I think that, no, I don't know. It didn't look like there was any chance of that happening based on how many were leaving the road, but maybe, maybe they're, maybe they're stuck, that maybe they can't get through the zombie horde to get back to town, right? Because if the zombies have all spread out into a, instead of like a nice single file parade into a big cloud of zombies in the whole area it might be tough to turn around and get back to the town that's, that's why true. maybe it's taken them so long i don't know and maybe that's why rick is running so much because he had to like take the long way around to go around this giant storm of zombies yep i don't know i'm just throwing throwing ideas out there um all right a couple more uh jack on the internet writes my holy crap did you see that and it must be sung in the tune of karma chameleon by Culture Club. Carol, 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 Chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Isn't that great? Thank you, everyone. Or thank you, Jack, for making me sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jack. Uh, what's the next line? You sing the next line. Oh, I don't know. She comes don't and sing. goes. <laughs> she comes and goes. <laughs> Carol, Carol. All right, Miles. Last one. <laughs> oh, this is Miles from Sam Francisco. Sam Francisco. I, or his name is Sam Francisco from, I don't know, Miles, Indiana? Francisco. Yeah, I think it's a typo, but as I've always said, I like to read the locations of people as written. So Miles from Sam Francisco. Wow. 
15 minutes in, and I was about to chalk this up as another filler episode, but then, bam, that woman gets, uh, that woman smoking gets killed out of nowhere. My jaw hit the floor. My first holy crap moment of the season. Well done, Walking Dead. Yes. That's how what I thought. I thought, you know, the first 15 minutes until that guy came with the machete, I thought it was just going to be a, a filler episode. And we'd but get then, to the horn at the end of the episode again, right? Well, I wasn't even sure what was going on there. Like, I wasn't entirely sure that this was... I didn't know what was happening. I was just like, oh, my God, come on, come on. Holy crap! And then things, you know, really started to move from there. You were falling asleep. You were wondering, what have I gotten myself into? After six seasons or five and a bit, I'm going to stop watching. But then it turned <laughs> it around for you. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for sending in your holy craps. Um, of course, all the other feedback we've gotten, and there has been, or there has been lots, we'll dig into that uh, on Wednesday when we do our feedback show for this episode. Um, and that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Now, we have something special for you coming up after we wrap up this podcast here. We're going to talk a little bit about the Martian movie. Yeah. It's, Before we wrap up, though, I've got a couple of follow-up items. Here. Oh, all right. Jason's done his research, so yeah. uh, let's hear all it. All right. The next episode is called Thank You. Okay, thank you. Does that indicate... Thank you. Does that indicate... You're welcome. Does that indicate uh, Morgan backstory at all? I have no idea. There's a, a sneak peek in, for 603 that I suppose I could watch. Okay, we got Rick running... We don't have to, we don't I don't know if we need to do a live commentary on this while you're doing it. And zombies eating. All right. All right. So maybe not maybe not a uh, maybe, maybe not. not a Rick uh, or a Morgan flashback, but I think it's All a good theory. Right. So I'm looking at a Salmonella fact sheet on the National Chicken Council website. All right. So it says uh, in the most recently published reports for calendar year 2012, an average of 4.3% of chicken carcasses at processing plants nationwide tested positive for detectable levels of salmonella, well below the USD, USDA performance standard of 7.5% for salmonella in raw chicken products. Huh. So, so not that much chicken has salmonella. 4.3%, and it's, it's been going steadily down since uh, 2005, where it peaked at 16%, according to this chart. But uh, 2012, which is the most recent studies, uh, has it down at 4.3%. All right. Well, there you so go. So one in 20 pieces of chicken will have salmonella. Okay. That's... So let's just say that uh, one in 10 turtles have uh, salmonella. So if she eats 10 turtles, she'll get salmonella. If she eats nine turtles, probably get salmonella, but eating one fat turtle, probably okay. All right then. Well, there you go. That's, uh, it's good to know. Next time I'm in the grocery store and I get a hankering for something, I can, I can, I don't have to avoid the raw chicken anymore. Yeah. Every once in a while, I just need to gnaw on some raw chicken. You just, you just yeah. need the raw chicken. Yes, you do. Okay. Back to ending the show. Thank you for that yeah, update, yeah. Jason. Um, so we're going to wrap things up here, and then we're going to talk about The Martian a little bit. The idea is we've brought it up so many times on this podcast. We've now both seen the movie, and uh, so I think we're going to talk about it briefly. Uh, but that'll come after the end. If you're interested in getting in touch with us, uh, you know, otherwise about The Walking Dead or about anything, really, you can send us email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on the send voicemail button there where you can record a message and send it right in. And uh, if you want to visit us on Facebook, a lot of stuff happens on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead 
or visit us on Twitter, which I check infrequently at Talking Dead. And the reason I check that so infrequently is because Twitter seems to be the worst place for people mistaking our Twitter handle for the AMC Talking Dead Twitter handle. So it's difficult to sometimes weed out what the actual tweets are for us and what the uh, masses of tweets are for them. So, you know, I, I check it, but go to Facebook, facebook.com slash the talking dead. All right. Uh, it's been very enjoyable being here, everyone. We'll be back on Wednesday with our feedback show for this episode. Uh, until then, stay tuned after the music for a little talk about the Martian. And uh, until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. All right. We are going to do an after show for the first time ever. Occasionally, Jason and I put little clips at the end here of, of funny stuff that happened or, you know, our our preparation before we you know, while we're recording, but we don't actually, uh, or before we've started the actual podcast. Really? Once in a while I do. No, uh, well, I don't listen back to the episodes, so. I know. That, is it anything bad? No, no, not at all. It's, it's usually funny. And the first thing I want to do is read an email here from Chuck on a sun-drenched beach in South Florida. This doesn't have nice. to do with the Martian, but we'll be getting to the Martian in a second. But Chuck has this to say. On the last episode of your podcast, Jason made a comment that he doesn't wear socks. In fact, he stated that he hates them, and he rarely wears them. Now, if he was living here in South Florida, this would raise no eyebrows, as 90% of the population here lives in flip-flops. But I grew up in upstate New York, near Kingston, Ontario. I know your winters. What does Jason do in midwinter when he wants to go out and the snow is five feet high. Put on a pair of mucklucks without socks? I cannot sleep at night thinking of these ramifications. All right. So <laughs> when I have to wear socks, I'll wear socks. But right. as soon as I walk through the door after work or after I shovel the driveway or whatever, winter, summer, doesn't matter, off comes the socks. They just, they come off. They do not stay. Sometimes I'll sit down on the couch and it'll be uh, a while and I'm like, what the hell am I wearing socks for? And I'll end up, no, I'll notice that I've half taken off my socks. So at least my heel is out of the sock. Like I'll work it out. I don't know what it is. I just, I hate socks. I hate the winter mostly because I have to wear socks. Huh. Interesting. You've also told me once that you hate being hot though. So winter is okay for you. Winter's great. I'm, this is, today was uh, perfect. It was 13 degrees Celsius. I went downtown uh, where I was working. I didn't bring a jacket. And everybody at the office was like wearing their jackets inside the office. It's like, it's cold in here. It's cold in here. Aren't you cold? I'm like, no, I am not cold. So This is ideal. So you're, you don't have any like tile floor in your house that gets cold in the winter and walking around in bare feet is uncomfortable for you. Yeah, like 80% of my house is tile floor. Right. And you don't mind walking around in bare feet on that in the winter when the tiles are freezing? Not even a little bit. Huh. All right then. Well, I'm- No, it's a way to cool down. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Sorry, Chuck. I I don't wear sleeves either. I I, I hate wearing long sleeves. If I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt, it's rolled up past the elbows. Oh, me too. I'm like that. But that's because I type on a keyboard all day and I don't like having my cuffs get in the way of the keyboard. That bothers me. That's why I can't wear a watch while I'm sitting down. Well, I don't wear a watch at all. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, anyways, sorry, Chuck. I hope you're not losing too much sleep over uh, over Jason's sock habits. It's comfy. Um, it's comfy this way for me. <laughs> there, there it is. But just take some comfort in knowing that he wears socks when he absolutely has to. Yeah. And probably I, mittens and a hat too. And I hate it. And you know how much I hate socks? Every sock I own is exactly the same. I went through a process about probably 10 years ago now, where I threw out all my socks and started buying all exactly the same kind. Well, every single one of my socks is exactly the same. I do not have to hunt for pairs. No, I, I, I sort of have done the same thing, although I have some that are a little different. Anyways. I hate that. I hate that. Let's talk about The Martian. Um, sure. The Martian is a movie uh, based on a book of the same name. We've recommended the book a number of times on this podcast, mostly for Audible, but that's not what we're here to do right now. Um, I just thought we should do a little bit of a follow-up since we've recommended it so much. We even talked about how much, how excited we were to see the movie, what we were hoping for from the movie, and uh, now we've both seen it. So I thought it was be only fair to talk a little bit about that and do sort of a follow-up. So uh, we both saw it this weekend, I think, right? We did. I saw it on Friday night. And I saw it on Sunday afternoon. So not together. We saw it with our with our wives independently. So Jason, what did you think of The Martian, the movie? Overall, I really liked it. Good. Care to expand? Yeah. I will. I want to find out what you think overall. Overall, uh, I really liked it too. Good. And yeah, so... Spoiler free, we both liked the movie. We thought it was a good movie. It was entertaining. <laughs> Matt Damon was great, at least uh, I, I think so. Yeah, um, he was fantastic. And one of the one of the fears I had going into this movie is that it would be too much. Actually, you know, I can't even say that without without spoiling stuff. So you, from here on in, we like the movie. If you don't want to hear any spoilers from The Martian book and movie. Yeah, um, spoil the shit out of it. Let's 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 just end it right now. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Uh, okay, now that they're all gone, yeah, I was going to say one of my fears about the movie is that it would be too much about the rescue mission to bring Mark Watney home from Mars, and it wouldn't be nearly enough about him figuring out a way to survive on Mars by himself. For it kind of was though. Like they, uh, I think they did gloss over some of it. Like there was one, uh, there was one sequence near the end where they said seven months later, right? Yeah, but that was right at the end. And by it that point, was. you by that point you'd seen everything he had to go through um, by himself on Mars to grow food, to create water, to you know make sure he had shelter and heat for the rover that he was going to drive around and stuff like that. And, and I know a lot of that felt, a lot of that stuff felt a little bit perfunctory in, but, but I think it only felt that way because I had the book in my head the whole time. And I know how much detail they go, he goes to in the book about, you know, describing all the science behind everything. But I think they did a really good job of balancing him on Mars with what was going on or going on on earth and the the little bit we got of what was going on in the spacecraft with the rest of the crew traveling back to earth right so first off matt damon i think did a fantastic job that opening sequence where he was uh performing self-surgery mm-hmm. was uh phenomenal oh so, so good so gross and so uncomfortable but so, so good. uncomfortable my wife couldn't watch it she's like was it really as gross as it sounded and i'm like yeah it was it was pretty gross yeah 
It was, and then it the was super scene well done. Uh, at the end where he was about to launch, yeah, uh, when he was sitting in the capsule after he had gutted the thing, mm-hmm. uh, just you know being excited and upset and breaking down. I thought that was a really fantastic scene as well. Yeah, you almost felt like he was. I mean, obviously excited to to get off the planet and be reunited with the crew, but a little, almost a little sad to leave. Yeah, a little. Like, there's all kinds of emotions going through him at that point, where he's, you know, he's got that uh, last day of high school kind of feeling. Yes, it was friggin' hell, but it's the last day, and I kind of feel sad about leaving it. But yep. screw this place; it's really uncomfortable here. Well, it says a lot about sort of human nature and the way, you know, the way we can we can learn to love anywhere or make anywhere home. Right? He's on yeah. frickin' Mars by himself for three years, nearly. Yeah. And he's sad to leave. A, a little part hab, of him is sad to leave. I thought the hab was a little big for a 30-day uh, excursion on Mars for six people. Yeah, it I was going to say, don't forget, it had to have six people in it. It was a little roomy. That was a big room. Yeah. I don't know. It just it seemed like if you're going to take a whole bunch of stuff to Mars, uh, that it would be a little more cramped than that. Like, have you ever seen live, or not live, but actual tour footage of the uh, International Space Station? That place is tiny. That friggin' place is so, not just tiny, but cramped. Yeah. Like, to get into the Soyuz, they had a shot, like, go to YouTube and look this up, to go through, like, even though you're in, you're you're essentially weightless, you're in microgravity, to go through there, holy crap. I'm claustrophobic. I don't think I would do, I would, I, I could never be an astronaut because I'm, I'm afraid of speed, fire, uh, enclosed spaces, uh, so. <laughs> and and lack of gravity and oxygen. <laughs> well, I'm not afraid of oxygen, but uh, anyway. Uh, so I just I thought the the size of the hab was a little detracting, and the fact that in the book he had to use every single uh, inch of ground space in order for to grow his crops. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, he did not have to do that. He was able to walk around. Uh, not on his crops. Yeah, that's true. And, and I, I can see that, but I, it didn't really bother me that much. I mean, the hab kind of was how I pictured it in my mind uh, reading the book. Um, I pictured it almost more as a, a dome sort of than sort of a sectioned uh, living space like that. But yeah. more or less it was, it was right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I got even more out of the movie because I had all of the detail from the book in mind that wasn't included in the movie, right? Like, you know, he plants those potatoes. It felt like they really went fast, like planting all the potatoes, modifying the rover, reclaiming water, all that kind of stuff that he had to do, which took chapters of time in the book. And they, they went into detail of the science and the formulas behind it and all that sort of stuff. Which, number of holes and how uh, he had to yeah. drill into the rover and how long each hole took. And there was a hole, I forget exactly what happened with the drill, but there he, was a, he leans the drill against the metal table and it shorts out. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and destroys and, and overloads the, um, uh, what's the thing he, he went to get to communicate with earth? The, the other uh, capsule that was there, not opportunity. Whatever it was, he shorts that thing out, so he cuts off his communication with Earth, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that was that wasn't even in the movie, but like all that stuff felt felt so quick in the film. But 
I don't know. It didn't bother me well, at all. Well, you had to make choices. So of I, and I was glad of that. And one of the things we got in the movie that was nice in the book, but really nice in the movie, was the music. Like, we got to hear all the disco. Yeah. Not all the disco. But we got to hear it rather than just having to imagine that he's stuck listening to uh, all of disco. Yeah. For such a long time. And then old television shows. We got a little bit of Happy Days. Uh, so that, that was nice. It was good. I, I think... And, you know, one thing I realized thinking about it after is, number one, there's no villain in this movie. No. There's no bad guy. There's nobody trying to sabotage it. There isn't any bad guy. It's basically a true survival story. And Mark Watney is the protagonist, but he is not, and this is going to sound cheesy, he is not the hero or he is not like the main character of this book. The hero of this movie and book is knowledge. Which, yes. which sounds goofy, right? But it is. It's about him using all the powers of his brain, everything he knows and everything he can learn and infer and whatever to, to figure out a way to live. And I think that came across in the movie really, really well. It did, yeah. You know? And, and then seeing everything down on Earth with, with uh, them, with all the scientists working together to figure out a way to, to rescue him and get him home. I mean, it was, yeah. it was done well in the book and it was done well in the movie. So I like the, uh, I, I like that. And that's one of the things I liked most about the West Wing is that it was them against the world. And one of the things I liked about this, the book and the, and the movie now is uh, you're absolutely right. There's no villain. There's nobody trying to undermine them. Right. It is every, it is humanity against uh, a situation. Yeah, and they're trying to solve a problem. Yeah, I mean, of how to get him home, and I even mean, even though it's a ridiculous problem because it's just one dude. Like, how many people die every day uh, trying to get change out of vending machines? <laughs> right, probably lots. <sighs> More than the people get stuck on Mars. That's for sure. By themselves, <laughs> yeah. Be like, you know, uh, with all, basically what would happen—not what would happen—but what should happen with one guy stuck on Mars? It'd be like, well, that guy's fucked. Well, you move on. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, that's that's where we're going in real life. You know, all these people are trying to go on a one-way mission to Mars in 20 years or whatever it is, or 10 years from now, and uh, they're not coming back. If something goes wrong, well, they're stuck there, and we're not sending another ship for them. I decided a long time ago that if someone put out an open call for a colonizing colonizing another planet like Mars, and if I was qualified, I would sign up. Yeah? Well, it's right out there, isn't there. it? Yeah, well... I don't think they'd accept me now, and I don't think I'm in any kind of physical okay. <laughs> shape in order to accomplish that kind of thing, because, you know, I'm afraid of speed, fire, we got it. <laughs> heights, and enclosed spaces. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, overall, I thought The Martian was amazing. The one thing I'll say, though, is I wish they hadn't changed the events of the ending. Right. Um and I mean, we've, we've spoiled the whole movie. So, uh, you know, in the book, Mark Watney takes off and pulls a lot of G's, passes out, and he's, he's half dead in that spacecraft that is yeah. shot into, uh, shot off of Mars and he has to rendezvous with the other ship and they have to pull him out. And like, he's half dead when they get him into this, into the ship. Right. And they, the one character is tethered to the ship. He goes in, grabs him and they pull him out. Yeah. Um, in this, they change it, though, and they introduce the Iron Man moment, which, yes. funny, sure, it was funny, and I'm, I'm glad it was in the movie, as, as mentioned, because that's Mark Watney's personality, but I wish it hadn't played out that way. Yeah. It, 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 they took, I felt like they were trying hard to make it a little more, 
heroic and exciting when they didn't need to, because the whole thing was heroic and exciting anyways, right? I mean, what they had to do to get him off the planet and into that other ship was incredible. And uh, they didn't need him to fly like Iron Man. No, they didn't. I think the one thing that I didn't like about the movie, the one, uh, like, I I was okay with that, uh, actually. But the one thing that uh, I thought was too bad was I think they miscast Donald Glover. Oh yeah, that's tough too, eh? Because he's he was like a um almost a caricature of that kind of character, right? He was. He seemed like he was playing a nerd on community. It was <laughs> it was Troy playing Abed, which was weird. <laughs> yes. So uh like I like him. I like Donald Glover, uh, but I think he was miscast. Yeah. I'm not sure he was miscast because he can he can do it. I think he just wasn't written very well. And and luckily that character wasn't in the movie a ton, but he yeah. does play a really important role. Um, but you're right. I I sort of felt the same way, but I do like Donald Glover, so I could almost give it a pass. Yeah, I mean, you, then you have Kristen Wiig, who's a uh, a comedian, who's I love Kristen Wiig, and she I think she was perfect for that role. Yeah, it's true. So it's uh, it's 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 tough. Yeah, it is. Um, but overall, I'm looking forward to seeing it again at home. Yep. Um, I had to watch it in 3D, which I generally cannot stand 3D. I hate watching 3D movies for for many reasons. One, I have to put stupid 3D glasses over my regular glasses, which is just uncomfortable and annoying. And two, for something about my brain or my eyes, I have to really usually concentrate on focusing on the 3D properly because it just doesn't work for me. That being said, this was the first time I've ever watched a 3D movie and for long stretches forgot or wasn't thinking about the fact that I was watching a 3D movie. Right. And I have two problems with 3D. Well, and and so either this movie was just good enough that it drew me in enough that I that I wasn't thinking about it or two there was something about the 3D in this movie that didn't bother me and yeah, I'm not sure what it was there's 3D and then there's 3D there's 3D done right and then there's 3D that's done so crappy that it's just detracting from the movie and is a piece of shit yeah but are you saying I've never seen a movie that has no, 3D no. done right because no no you have you, you've seen probably seen Avatar in 3D yeah but that drew me that drove me crazy too I hated that 3D the, Did you? I, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. This was the first movie ever where I wasn't constantly like forcing myself to like refocus my eyes and th- see the 3D. And I don't know if it's just me or if other people have that problem, but uh, or if The Martian was done, or maybe it's just newer, like newer technology, or that's done better and it didn't bother me. So I don't know. I think if they make a 3D choice at the beginning of a movie, it makes a difference. Yeah, and maybe. If they do it in post, because the movie I'm thinking of that was really crappy 3D, like horrifyingly crappy 3D, was Clash of the Titans. Never the saw remake. I I did, and I saw it in 3D, and I wanted to rip my eyes out. It was so. It was a bad movie. It was horrendous 3D, like absolutely horrendous. Well, and, and that's why I'm saying that I wonder if this movie was just so good, and I was enjoying it so much, and I was wrapped up in it so much that I just forgot about the 3D, and I just let it wash over me. I don't know. It could have been a combination of a lot of things, but I'm happy to report that I didn't hate the 3D as much as I usually do in this movie. <laughs> Good. So. so the two things I don't like about 3D is one is that uh, when it's done right, it gets old because I generally see my entire life in 3D. So seeing something else in 3D just becomes background information. You forget about it. 
Yeah. Right? And <laughs> the second thing is uh, the one thing that you can't forget about is that when I go around and live my life in 3D, I am the master of what I get to choose to focus on. That's right. You go see a 3D movie, you don't get to focus on whatever you want. You get to focus on whatever the camera decides you're focusing on. Yep. Everything else is in the background. And I like to look around in the background yeah. in movies. I like finding out, just looking around and looking at the at the sets and what's going on in the background. I like that kind of thing. But in 3D movies, I can't do that. Because it's not in focus. Especially in a movie like this, where there is all kinds of interesting space stuff in the background, in spaceships and in the in the hab, like um, yeah. all kinds of interesting stuff to look at. So I'm I'm with you. And the other thing is, people, when looking at a screen, like a TV or a movie, are used to a flat 2D image. Right? You are. We're not used to a weirdo 3D image that doesn't look like real life. When I yeah. look outside my window, I don't see like a weird 3D where part of it's closer than the rest. You know, your brain works it all out, but we're not used to seeing that on a screen and it doesn't work for me. Yeah. You're over 30. So uh, this is unnatural for you. It's unnatural for me. Your grandfather, your grandmother probably thought that color movies were unnatural. Like, it, I don't like color. It's too vibrant. I can't uh, focus on the story uh, but or are, on the acting. I don't know. I find, you may be right. I just find that hard to believe, though, because because it's like they walk around in real life all day looking at everything in color. So I don't feel like it's much of a... Everything's in 3D. Wait, but no, it's it is, but it it's is. not. But it's not the same kind of 3D. It's not, it's not the, the same. same kind of color. Yes, it is. What about talkies? You know, I'm sure that there was people uh, way back when that really didn't like, uh, you know, moving pictures with sound because where's the fun in that? You go to you go to see a, a silent movie and you get these little pauses where you get to you know you get a uh, you get the story dictated to you and there's a dude playing the piano. I I I that's great and all. I just don't think the jump from real life with video and sound to a movie with video and sound is is that big of a jump. I don't think the jump from walking around with your eyes, or like, you know, pe normal people, normal eyes who see color, uh, jumping to a film that looks the same in color, I don't think those are the same level of jump as what you see out your eyes and what 3D looks like on a movie screen, at least for me. I find yeah. it totally different, a totally different viewing experience, and it bothers me and I don't like it. I just think it's unnatural for you because you're over 30. And I am this exactly the same way. Yeah. I don't like 3D movies either. I will go out of my way to see a flat movie. Me too. I uh, couldn't this time though, unfortunately. But it's not, I don't blame the movie. I blame the fact that I'm over 30. Well, I blame the, no, I blame the technology and I blame the people that are making these movies because I wish they just Am would stop. Am I out stop. of touch? No. It's the children that are wrong. It's the children that are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I'm I'm still hoping that 3D in movie theaters is is just a fad that'll go away after Forget a while. It. No way. One movie I do want to see in 3D is The Walk. With, uh, uh, I'm worried that that's going to give me vertigo or make me throw up or something. That's My exactly God. what I'm looking for. That's why I want to see it in 3D because it's such a uh, a medium where you can get the full feeling of what is going on. You just finished saying how afraid of heights you are, though, dude. You do not. That was more of a see. joke. It's more fire and speed and in enclosed spaces. You don't, I'm, not, I'm I, not really afraid of heights. I don't know. I don't think I want to see. I don't think I want to be right up there with uh, what's his face. 
walking across a wire between the World Trade Center towers in 3D. Holy, I'm going to go see this movie by myself then because my wife doesn't want to see that in 3D either because she doesn't like heights. It makes her wiggly, she says. So sounds uh, uh, <laughs> sounds interesting. Okay, so I'm uh, I might go see this by myself in 3D. I'm going to see this in IMAX 3D. Oh, maybe I should come with you. Oh my god, it'd be so great! And you've seen the the, the documentary, right? The Walk. Um, I've oh, seen sorry, I've, uh, Man on Wire. I've seen part of it, not the whole thing. Oh, you should should see the whole thing. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Okay, well, all right. Maybe maybe I'll go to you with. Go to that with you. Go to you. I want to go to there. Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, that's it. Martian was amazing. If you haven't read the book, go read the book. Go read the book. <laughs> if you've listened to this and you haven't read the book or seen the movie, uh, sorry, you you know the whole thing now, but uh, <laughs> go read the book anyways. It's amazing. And go see the movie. It's also pretty amazing. So uh, that's it. We'll see you on Wednesday, everybody. Uh, bye.